those cool uh, blue guys, those guys are cool, actually, in the Balam Field or whatever. They I have, don't like, remember. That, that little skeleton thing, and they're like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> they look yeah, like yeah. giant jellyfish. Yeah, yeah. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to The Gaming Effect. We are here with part two of our multi-part series on Final Fantasy VIII. I am your co-host, Alex, a.k.a. Soldier First Class. I am Corey, a.k.a. Dookie03. And you almost choked on that one. Uh, yeah, I had but, something uh, guys, we had a lot of fun making episode one. Uh, we kind of went over a lot of the mechanics of the game and, like, the initial, I want to say, maybe what? hour two hours of the game um since last episode which was two weeks ago uh when this airs i have officially played through the entirety of final fantasy 8 um we're going to talk about a little bit of that uh here in a bit but just know that i'm going into this a little bit more refreshed and can kind of point some things out that i noticed this playthrough and uh some things that maybe Corey didn't notice or maybe Corey did notice and we can kind of break that down and talk about it we're gonna start short because we got a really we got a lot to get through. We la- we left off on Dalit and the Dalit mission, and we didn't even get to the dance segment. So we've got a lot to get through today. So we are going to basically streamline this episode. Don't forget, you guys can catch us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and my YouTube channel. Uh, and please rate and share on all of those platforms. We really appreciate it. You guys got us over thirty plays on this last episode. And we're really chugging along towards our first, I think, major milestone, which is a thousand plays uh, through Spotify and all streaming services. And we're about to 400, I believe, already in in just what will be nine episodes at this point when this episode releases. So we just want to say thank you and that we really appreciate all the plays and all the shares, all the ratings, everything. They have been awesome. Yeah, no doubt. So... Before we get into the, the next topic, which is Final Fantasy VIII, um, let's promote your charity stream, because it, oh, it's something yeah. that I donate to every year. I encourage other people to donate to it every year, and it's in honor of your friends. So give us a little details and kind of let the listeners know what your plans are and what you do every year and and why you do it. Yeah, for sure. Um, so every year we do a 24-hour charity stream in memory of my good friend Jason, um aka specter is what kind of his online tag name always was um he passed away from uh i believe it was complications due to crohn's and colitis so we all the all the proceeds go to crohn's and colitis canada we do yeah we do 24 hours it's starting on october 21st at 10 a.m my time until october 22nd 10 a.m my time as well um <laughs> and we're gonna be playing a bunch of i usually do like a lot of retro games and stuff so this year i I almost always do like a, a Mega Man game in my first block but this year i decided to kind of change it up a bit i'm doing rock and cats which is a super rare but really really good nes game that i grew up playing think of think of it being like a bionic commando but fun uh <laughs> and then Fair enough. Um, and then I'm going to be playing Darkwing Duck in my first block as well. So that's Classic. basically a Mega Man game, but it's it's a little different. It's got a little bit different uh, stuff in there. And then I'm doing a terrible game block for the late block. So every block, there's four blocks. They're each, I think, six hours. 
Um, and so from what would it be 10 p.m. till till like 2 a.m. or 4 a.m. My math is bad, guys. Uh, I'm going to be playing a bunch of terrible games. And if we reach donation goals, the bad games get badder. Like I'm talking <laughs> uh, Aquaman on the GameCube, which was made by the same team that did Superman 64. So it's uh, there's some there's some some good yet bad stuff in there. I didn't I don't think I put Bubsy 3D on there. This Damn, time. come on, man. But I've got I do have Beast Wars listed. On, OK, for, yeah, for that's one. Drag, Dragon Ball Z Sagas oh, is the highest God. donation goal because I hate that game so much. So if <laughs> you're like, if, raise... <laughs> you're like, if I'm gonna have to play this shitty ass game, you're gonna pay me for it. Yeah, if I could, if if we could raise uh thirty five hundred by the time we get to the third block, which is my second block, or during that block at any time, I will stop what I'm doing and play Dragon Ball Z Sagas. That game is fucking hot and wet garbage like you're there every year you know yeah we, oh we yeah have it's a lot blast. of fun yeah, i thought there's... the funniest part for me in the last few years was when you uh you and mike had your sonic race oh and yeah and because, i had to wear the proto yeah, man yeah because mike mike buster. is so bad at sonic that you're like i can beat him using the proto buster and, and i did and he did and you did <laughs> and, and you couldn't even like hit the fucking buttons with the proto blaster it was like what yeah, I think if I'd have played it on an actual Genesis controller, it would have been easier because the buttons are bigger. Right. But yeah, it was it was brutal. And then because I have a I have a channel points donation usually uh, where I have to hold the controller upside down. So there, it got to a point where I was using the Proto Buster on my arm and holding the controller upside down. So I was trying to use the D pad with that fucking Buster on my arm, and it was like impossible. But yeah, I I, I always have a blast every time I'm in that stream because like you know, you're wearing a silly costume or you're playing a really bad game and getting frustrated or, you know, somebody's like throwing a hundred dollars here and a hundred dollars there. And it's like, yeah. it's just a really good time and it's for a good cause. And, you know, it's an honor of your friend that passed away and it's just an overall good experience to be a part of. And, uh, you know, I, I donate every year. I, I enjoy being there in the streams. I mean, I'm in the streams all the time, but I, yeah, yeah. I really enjoy, uh, Spectre Fest a lot. So, um, Definitely, guys, if you're listening to this podcast, check out Spectrefest. It is a blast. I'll be there. Uh, Corey will kind of be there, I guess. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so you- but anyway, guys, we're going to go ahead and get into the main topic. We're about 10, 11 minutes in. Uh, we're going to talk about Final Fantasy VIII. This is episode two of our multi-part series. Like I said earlier, we're going to try to get this down to two episodes, but we might have to run it into a third episode so we're gonna get as far as we can tonight and see where the night takes us so the last time we left off we talked about earlier was in the dalit mission we finished that we got to the beach uh if you killed the spider uh you just run into the the ship and you take off and you're done if you do not kill the spider quistus goes all badass Pulls out the, the machine gun, gun the minigun, yeah, yeah. and just destroys this fucking like thing. like Terminator style. Right. So, anyway, let's start off at the end of the Dalit mission. We find ourselves at a after dance, after party, basically, for the seeds that graduated. And the seeds that graduated were Zell, Squall, Selfie, and an unnamed guy, which I believe his name is like... Nida or Nida or whatever. It's like N I D A, I think. Yeah, I don't his remember. Name. 
Uh, he actually comes he back ends later. Up steering right. the, the garden later yeah. on, yeah. Later on, we'll kind of talk about him a little bit more, but uh, yeah, he he does come back in a uh, pretty pretty not big but decent sized way. Uh, yeah. Um. So after the mission, we have we change clothes into kind of more formal clothing, and which we is up, where I got stuck in my first playthrough because I couldn't figure out how to do it. Right. <laughs> so we have the dance scene with Squall and Renoa, and it kind of starts out. Um, Squall's being a wallflower. He's just sitting by drinking, just you know, sitting there being the best looking guy in the yeah. room. <laughs> and what's funny is that this is where remasters and remakes kind of take the charm out of certain things because it's become a meme in the Final Fantasy and by extension, Final Fantasy eight community that Squall is the best looking guy in the room. And you look at his face, and it's like it's this just pixelated, pixelated garbage it's like, there's mess. Like the tearing too, right? yeah. Like like half his face is higher than the other half, right? So it's it's become a meme. But in the remastered version, he they updated his character model, so now it yeah. he actually does look like the best guy in the room. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's just it's funny how things kind of like as cool as the remaster is. It has those little quirks that just kind of... T- yeah. it, it was better in the original because of how funny it was. Yeah, yeah. Um, But, yeah, she walks up. She's kind of flirting with Squall. Squall doesn't know who this girl is yet. Um, And she kind of tries to break Squall out of his shell. Like, he is clearly not having it. Zell walks yeah. by and wants to, like, fist bump. And he's like, nah, yeah, whatever. Get away from me. Or Yeah, yeah. You know, he just wants to... Enjoy his own company in the right. On the he side just there. he just wants to listen to music, drink, and get it over with, right? Yeah, kind of like we all do. Uh, <laughs> but uh, so so Renoa pulls him out onto the dance floor, and I don't know if you noticed this or not. Waltz to the Moon has the light motif of the Eyes on Me song. Okay, so, I think a lot of the song tracks in the game have that. Hey? A lot of them do. Yeah, that is that is Umatsu's style almost. To the letter, he yeah, he likes I his light motifs. That. I do too because it it, it ties bring, it all together. It ties it all together. The themes, yeah. the the atmosphere, the sound, it all ties into in together. And to be fair, like that makes sense because this game is about Squall and Renoa. Yeah, and more specifically about Squall. And as you see the theme of these of this game come together. This these are these things are important to everything. So it, it's cool that Omatsu has this style where the the songs tell a story themselves, and that's what I've always loved about his style. Yeah. Um so at first, Squall kinda is like, Oh, I'm gonna act like I don't know how to dance. And then when he realizes like, okay, she's not giving up, then he like starts being really fucking good at it. Like like and and then she's like how how come how come you're so good at dancing or whatever yeah right? later he later it, on the train she's like how are you so good at dancing and he's like yeah. well we have you to know train this shit we have basically. to train this just in case you know in subterfuge or whatever and she's like oh so it's just part of your job <laughs> like yeah. she's really upset that she thought like he wanted like a special moment right and he's just like kind of thing yeah. and he's just like guess what bitch Between I was just doing my job yeah. You're just a job to me. Yeah. You pussy. Uh, <laughs> it's so funny. So we'll point out something later about their relationship that it, a, a lot of people, I don't know if they noticed or not, but uh, just something that I that I picked up on in my playthrough 
and something I've heard Re- uh, Mike from Resident Arc pick up on his latest playthrough. The, now, there's I think this scene after this dance is a little bit more important than the dance itself. The Quistus part? Yes, because I think, like, to me, this is where... Not specifically the part with Quistus, but what happens right after that. But, so they go, they're at the dance, and Quistus, or Squall, leaves the room, because Renoa kind of takes off, and what we didn't know she at the time, to, yeah, meet, meet with, with Sid. Sid. She goes to meet with Sid, but we don't know that until, like, maybe ten minutes later. Um, she, You go to the balcony, and Quistus comes out and wants to talk to you and says, hey, uh, my final order is we need to go to the training center. And Squall is like, it's after hours, you know. Why does she want me to go here? Yeah, you can't tell me, you can't give me orders either, right? Like, it's it's after hours. So, what's funny about this is that they get there, and you realize, like, this is a makeout spot. Yeah. This is where the garden kids go to make out and shit. It's like through the training area. Like, it's it's guarded by, like, all those plants and T-Rexors and everything, right? Right. So, people sneak through there to get to this little area. Right. The things we do for a uh, little, uh, <laughs> but it's funny, like, so they kind of do something cool in this scene and it's that they're talking openly in front of everybody and there's no privacy whatsoever. Cause there's couples, you know, like yeah, standing there, it up. but that's very Japan, <laughs> like Japan. It's very hard outside of your home to get to ha- privacy, to get yeah. privacy. So this is kind of, unless you, you get, go to a love hotel. Yeah. You see these things, though, throughout the game that, like, this is, it kind of feels like a, a military, like, almost American-style military, or, like, something like that, like, military lifestyle, but... Crossed with, like, a private school kind of thing, right? Right. It's kind of like a private school, but also you can see the Japanese influences throughout the game. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it's like as and they hard, do it unknowingly too, right? right. Like and they, it, that's it, that's just how stuff yeah. is, as far it, as they know. As hard as they try to westernize their games, those there's things they don't realize about Western society that they put in their games that is very clearly Japanese, and this is one of them yeah. where they don't get much privacy outside of their homes, and so they don't think anything of talking about these this these major things. In front of these random people. So, yeah. um, but she basically tells him that she got, di- she can't be a teacher anymore. Like she has no leadership sk- skills or qualities. The, the garden has decided that she's no longer going to be a teacher. She is just a seed now. Like it's just what she does. Um, man, the treppies are going to be disappointed. Right. <laughs> and that's the thing too. Squall she's got her own fan club. Yeah, Could she you does. Imagine if you went to, if you went to high school and like, like, I think everybody had that hot teacher, the, the, the hotness of them like varies right. from school to school, obviously. But could you imagine if the students had a club based around that hot teacher? Like how fucked up would that be? Right. Well, and the thing is like her relationship is so weird with everybody because she is a teacher. But she's and literally she's the same age. She's literally only a year older than Squall. Yeah. And like we would find that in, in Western societies, that would be weird. But to them, yeah. like, you know, 18 and 17, like they're right here together. So it's not a big deal to them. But like a lot of people found this relationship really weird. Um, 
but Squall kind of just doesn't want to deal with her. Like, no, this he is not annoying. Kind of, hey, yeah, this is not his problem. Is basically what he tells her. Like, you know, this is not my problem. Why are you dumping this on me? But he kind of just. He's kind of rude a little bit to her yeah. a lot. She's trying to, like, get it off her chest, like, deal with, like, the information she was just given. And she's kind of confiding in him. But to him, and and honestly, it's true that they don't really have that kind of a relationship. So he's like, why the fuck are you telling me this? You know what right, I mean? Right, exactly. Like, and the next thing that happens here is interesting because I didn't notice it ever until this last playthrough. When you leave the training center and you meet alone, who you don't know that it is alone, right? Mm-hmm. You don't know who she is. She was in the infirmary in the very beginning of the game. You didn't know her then. She knows you. Like, yeah, she yeah. even says in the beginning, like we said last episode, like, hey, um, I, oh, it's like Squall, so we meet again or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She calls Quistus, Quisty. Right. I didn't notice that either. So she knows who Quistus is because she, like, she called her by a nickname. And you don't do that unless you know who that person is, right? And so I never noticed that. And so she knows not only Squall, but she knows Quistus. So these are the first pieces, I think, of them throwing the plot twist kind of in your face, but not really throwing it in your face. And this kind of setup is something that we went back and forth a little bit last time about it. I like the plot twist now more than I did. But as an older player, I see things more clearly than I did before. But I think you're. it's also because you've... You've, you're replaying it, so you're looking for that stuff, too. Exactly, and that's the problem. That It's almost like, remember when, like, The Matrix first came out, and, it and like, everyone was like, this is the best movie ever, but you really gotta see it twice kind of thing? Right. It's kind of like that. Like, it, it the game's a lot better the second time through than it is the first time, I, I feel like. Well, and I think the problem I have with Katase and Nomura-led games is that they are all like this. And... I, I get that that gives you replayability, but a lot of people don't play RPGs more than once unless yeah. it really hits them. And Final Fantasy yeah. VIII is so divisive that I feel like a lot of people played it once and a lot didn't either didn't finish it or never touched it again. Yeah, yeah. And the problem with Kitase... And it's a hard game, too. Like, even if, yeah. you, if you, even if you're playing your cards right, like, when you get to that final area, like... Literally. It's, a, it's the hardest... I think it's the hardest Final Fantasy at the, at like, the, the final boss. Yeah, I, I agree. I think, I think the final area is probably one of the hardest in, in Final Fantasy. But, like, this is why I don't necessarily like Katase-led games, because I understand that, like, you want to create mystery... Mm-hmm. But you don't need to create mystery to the point where the player doesn't know what the fuck is going on. <laughs> yeah. So that by the time you get to the plot twist, it feels like an ass pull. Yeah. Right? And that's why I think a lot of people did not see Final Fantasy VIII's plot twist as being well-developed. And they're kind of yeah. right. You know? Um, but It's developed, but you have to go so far off the trail to to get that development. Instead of it, instead of it being like 
part of the main story where right. which is it should have been part of the main story right and and how hard would it have been to throw in like nine or ten lines into the exposition in the main story to get these points across instead of like little tidbits of hints in in like a side diary that you never have right. to check ever Right. And, well, because and like most people don't even know about, like you right. check it. Some people don't even check it at the beginning and miss out on the two GFs at the start right. of the game. Right. Yeah. And if you don't check that desk at the beginning and you read all the text, like if you're not a researcher with with these games, you're not going to see that. Yeah. And then, you know, later on you can read Selfie's diary on the desk, but if you don't go back and read that, you'll never see it. And she yeah, even I never ex- did. she even explicitly says in the diary. I hope I don't lose my memories. I've heard that's a side effect of Guardian Force use. Yeah, and like I never went back to the fucking to the desk after the beginning, right? Plot twist, right there. Yeah, yeah, sets it up, and that's in but disc one. And I think the thing is, it, there would have been a perfect place and time to do it when, um, when Selfie is getting like the the stage built in, in the garden and all that, you know what I mean? Like it could have been, they could have worked it into that part. Right. Well, and guardian forces are such a big part of the game that you would have thought somewhere along the line, that would have been the thing, right? Like put it in there somewhere. Oh yeah. Before we get too much further. So I think we talked about this, um, off camera or whatever, but the first time pretty much anyone plays Final Fantasy VIII, I feel like um, you completely rely on the summons to deal all your damage, hey? Like, did you did you do that with your first playthrough as well? Yeah, first playthrough, totally, yeah. Yeah, and then, like, the final dungeon takes away everything right. when you first get there. And, and, like, if you've been relying on GFs the whole game, it's basically a soft lock. Like, you can't fucking, you can't beat it. That happened the first time I got to the final to the final uh, castle. Yeah, but uh, like I don't know. I I love this game, but I understand why people don't understand it. Oh yeah, it's it's a frustrating game if you don't if you don't know its ins and outs. So, and another thing at the I forgot to mention this, but at the seed graduation, the garden staff actually says don't listen to people when they talk about guardian forces and how bad they are. Wait, I do remember that. Kind of another piece of the puzzle. I remember hating those guys, like, right out of the gate. Yeah, because they're dicks. But the thing is, when he says that, then you realize that people have doubts about guardian forces. And you're like, why? (laughs) Yeah, you're like, why, you know? So it's just, it's funny, given that. After they leave alone, which they they save her from the Granado, like or is that the armadillo? Dildo, <laughs> armadillo looking things. <laughs> God damn it! Um, yeah, uh, like that flying guy that throws those armadillos at. Yeah, you? it's it's like Granaldo and then Armaldo. I think I don't yeah, remember, yeah. but yeah, that's the boss. Um, the armadillo boss. Yeah, once you fight that boss, she kind of acts like she knows you, and then she leaves with the what we later find out are the white seeds. Yeah, that are kind of her guardians. After the after that scene with the uh, with alone, we get a mission from Sid. Um, and this mission is kind of twofold. It kind of sets up the 
the need for the party to be together for the rest of the game. Yeah, it does. And it also sets it up to, like, you know, this is how they reconnect, right? Which is weird because this is, like, the only mission they really ever get sent on. Right. Besides, that, like, the secondary part of it. Yeah, because everything else is kind of... Yeah, everything else is kind of on the fly. Yeah. Um. So, we're on the train. We're going to go to uh, Timber to meet up with the Resistance, the Owls. But Ooh, before we get, do that... The, you get the... Uh, the lamp. Dark lamp or whatever. The, the magical lamp. Which yeah. is how you get Diablo. Which, if you do this fight super early... Is a real bastard. Yeah. Um, but it, it's it's worth it to get Diablos because he's the coolest fucking GF. He in is the game. one of the coolest summons in all of Final Fantasy. Oh, totally agreed. This mission is the catalyst for everything that happens from now on in the rest of the game. So uh we get on the train to go to Timber, and this is the first, the very first Laguna dream, and this is where we kind of figure out that things aren't what they oh, see, right. something and it, and is it, happening. Like, it like has like that almost like you can tell that's like ringing in their ears too, and they're dropping, yeah. like they're all passing out, right? And you think you honestly think that they're being gassed or something on the train is is what yeah. I thought in my initial playthrough. Well, and they actually bring that up after they wake up. We'll we'll get to that in a second. Um, so this dream is basically Laguna, Kiros, and Ward. They're three soldiers in the Galvadian army, and they wake up and they're like. It, they're in a forest area or something. There's been a battle, yeah. and Laguna wants to get back to Galbadia, which is Daling City, um, and home, where they're from. Basically. Where they're from, but he has ulterior motives, of course. Um, he wants to go meet Julia, the piano player. Uh, and dude, this is the first time where you see Laguna, and you're like, okay, there's these these guys are supposed to be badass soldiers, you know? Yeah. And he is the goofiest motherfucker in the game. He's, he's that, the he, best, though. Dude, he is the best. And he's that guy that, like, everything positive that ever happens to him is just pure luck. Oh, like, yeah. He, he is just in, fumbles through life based yeah. on his luck. He is in the right place at the right time, you know. Sometimes the wrong place at the wrong time, Yes, too, though. but it still works, it works out somehow. Out. Yeah, it does, it does work out And the him, thing yeah. is, is, like, even though he's kind of dumb, like... He's kind of a dumb character, and he is the exact opposite of Squall. He he wants to be friends with people. He wants to yeah, travel. Yeah. He wants to like he loves his friends. He depends on his friends. He he is. He the, wants to see the world. He basically joined. He says he joined the military to see the world. Right. Yeah, so. and he is the counterbalance to Squall, and I think that's perfect the way they set this up. Um, Another thing is the the weapon he uses like a straight up he uses a machine gun. Yeah, which is, I don't think you ever do you ever see that in Final Fantasy again? Uh, there are guns, but I don't think it's like a straight up machine gun like he's got. Yeah. Um, what's funny is is that you know the song "Man with the Machine Gun" is the battle theme whenever you play as Laguna Kiros and Ward. And it's literally, I mean, it is literal the title of that song because yeah. he is the man with the machine gun. Yeah, but uh, best which, song in the game, which is yeah, opinion. it's like the best fucking song in the game, and of course yeah. it's Laguna's. And his uh, his limit break, he comes like on like doesn't he like swing from like a rope? Yeah, and, he like, swings from a rope, up, throw and, grenades. Yeah, and he, shit. no, well he rains down fire on him, right, not right. not fire, but bullets, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and 
you know, Ward uses like this big a anchor. giant anchor. That's yeah, super weird. that's like the weirdest weapon ever. And Kiros uses like twin blades. It's really cool. Um, yeah, like butterfly blades, kind of. But Laguna's kind of dumb. Like everything he does is fucking ha- like it just happens. He doesn't. He has these grand plans. He's like that guy that plans like these big grandiose things, but he never. It always, like, falls apart, or it doesn't go the way at all how he right. planned it. Right, But he still fumbles through somehow. Yeah, exactly. And that's just not Squall. Squall's calculated, you know. And it's been said in the past that Laguna and, and this crew were supposed to have a much larger role uh, in the story than they did, but they had to cut it. And apparently, according to Kazushige Nojima, he actually apologized to the development staff because they created all these assets. Like, they had a world map uh, for Laguna. They had everything for Laguna and Party. Like, that they did with Squall and all them. But they didn't end up using it. And apparently, Kazushige Nojima actually apologized to the development staff for having to throw all of that out. Um, And you can kind of tell that this is the case. Because, like, there were things that I... There's a lot of things answered questions right. with the world, and I think that's that's my favorite thing about Final Fantasy VIII is like the the world itself lore, mm-hmm. like um like there's uh like Sentra was was destroyed by a lunar cry, right? Yep. There's that spot near Trabia. There's like a giant fucking crater in the in the world around Trabia. I can't remember if that was like the first lunar cry or if that I can't remember because I used to. No, like I dug yeah. into all this stuff because I, it's so interesting to me, I, or or it was like the first artificial lunar cry because there's natural ones and then there's that lunatic Pandora, mm-hmm. which creates like artificial lunar cries. I think right. Well, so, they I think they make them, or bigger. they can force they can force it to right. happen. Yep, they can guide the lunar cry to a certain spot. Yeah, which we'll get into that later because there's one thing that really bothers me about the lunar cry se- section, and it it stems from my feeling that the entire like last fifth of the game just falls off super hard. Um, but we'll get into that a little bit later. But yeah, um, Laguna just kind of is that guy, and we see it in this scene specifically because He's- he goes to meet Julia. And you walk into the bar, and everybody knows why he's there. They're making fun of him for it. He's like, yeah, no, yeah. I, I just want to drink. And they're like, you don't drink. Well, I could, <laughs> you know? Like, yeah, he's that guy. If I wanted to. Well, you walk in there, and there's like this, uh, and I don't know, this is kind of a headcanon thing, so don't take this as 100% fact. There's a soldier in there, a red uniform soldier, so you know he's a little bit higher ranking. And he's mad that Laguna is there to see Julia. I don't know who this soldier is. They don't name him. Probably Biggs' dad. Well, I... <laughs> Big senior. Yeah. I think that's General could Caraway. Be Car- yeah, I was just going to say, could it be Caraway? I think it's Caraway. Because he even mentioned something about getting Laguna sent off to war or to the front lines or whatever, or something like that. I, there's something that he says, but it kind of gives you the hint that, like, hey, this guy has a thing for Julia, and he's mad that Laguna's here after her thought of that before but it totally could be caraway yeah i totally could be um so he walks up and he he tries to talk to her and then he gets fucking leg cramps yeah when he gets what, what did you think was going on when this first happened because i had kind of a i did not think leg cramps at all so 
Yeah, no, I thought leg cramps for sure. Like he just gets like nervous and gets a leg cramp or he makes it up so he doesn't have to deal with the situation. Right. I thought he was getting like, you know how sometimes you get nervous and you have like a stomach ache or something? Yeah. That's kind of what I thought was going on. Was like he was having a stomach ache or he was nervous or or something. And then like, you know, he's just goofy. He he can't control himself. Yeah. In front of this hot girl. I think and- I think I initially I thought it was like him just yeah, giving an excuse as to like, no, I can't go through with this. Like, fuck right. this, let's bail. But then later on he like gets leg cramps in like the middle of battle and stuff, and it's right. like okay, yeah, no, this is a thing that he suffers from. Like, <laughs> yeah, this is actually- a nervous reaction. Yeah. <laughs> what cracks me up about it too is that like even as dumb as he is sometimes and as like nervous as he gets and is like goofy everyone loves him yeah well he's got a lot of charisma he's a really good guy yeah people want to be around him and i i think that's something that you kind of see in squall even though he's a dick like yeah people naturally gravitate towards squall but we don't know why you know because like he's always a dick to everybody he is, but he's reliable to, at the same time. Right, like, he is reliable. reliable. To a fault and, sometimes. And Laguna, Laguna's reliable, but he's also, like, he wants to help people. Laguna, right. You know what I mean? Like, if somebody's in trouble, Laguna is going to go help him out. He and, wants to make friends. And you you keep saying Laguna's an idiot, but I don't think that's what it is. I think Laguna is completely okay with winging it all the time. Yeah. Whereas um squall needs a setup plan he needs to yeah. think about he, he's always overthinking like half the game is in his head right half the dialogue of the game is just him thinking right in, in his head like all the stuff in brackets is just squall thinking which, which i think me, is is genius by the way yeah but it reminds me of do you remember like the 90s spider-man cartoon yes and like almost all that dialogue on that sh- on that show was like in like Sp- Spider Man thinking to himself and stuff. Mm-hmm. And and I think like that Final Fantasy I played Final Fantasy Eight at like the perfect time because I think that Spider Man uh, cartoon was like over by this time. But it was so that show was so well done. So when it would show when it would show him talking in like brackets like that all the time i was like oh yeah he's like thinking to himself because like comics do that all the time too right where they'll have right like, fluffy bubble to well to and tell you they're thinking and stuff and the other thing too about it is that those creep up in laguna's scenes yeah 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 where they're thinking like, about like what's like, happening in like, laguna's scene like squall will say this guy is an idiot yeah yeah and then like laguna's like what was that <laughs> what was that <laughs> yeah. so that's our first sign too that like it's not just two different They can kind completely. of feel when people are in their head, even mm-hmm. if they don't realize what's going on. And there's a scene later that we'll talk about that actually goes into that. But, um, yeah, he meets Julia. He gets the leg cramp. He walks away, you know, and, and Kyrus and Ward, to their credit, are fucking wingmen yeah, because yeah. he tries to leave. He's like, I'm done. I think, you know, you know, I had my shot. I didn't take it. And they're like, no, you're going to sit here and you're going to talk to her and you're going to like it. Because you made us come out here tonight. <laughs> right. So <laughs> like, she walks up. They walk away. Now Laguna's trapped. Oh, yeah. And he and, doesn't know they've walked away because he's facing her at this point. Right? right. And then doesn't he like turn around and they're not there? Yeah. So then he sits <laughs> down and he, he's all quiet and like he doesn't know what to say. So she's like, OK, let's go to my hotel room. And he's like, oh, 
oh, you know, what's going on, you know? Well, then they start to drink, and, like, he He is, like, yeah, well... Like, more nervous. I want to say it's either Kiros and Ward, or maybe he's thinking to himself, like, don't talk about myself, don't let her talk, find out what she likes, find out what she's about, right? Well, then they start drinking in the hotel room. And then all of a sudden, he, he Lagoon, like tells her his whole life the story, fucking basically. Fl- yeah, the flood- and, and like his like goals, his dreams, and everything. The fucking floodgates open, and Laguna yeah. just spills his entire life story. Yeah, and dude, I love that part, and it cracks me up too because even through all that, you can tell that she has feelings for him, and yeah. he doesn't get it at all. No, he's kind of oblivious. Like he he likes her. And he he knows that for some reason she kind of wants to be around him, but mm-hmm. he can't like nail down like why. And I think he I think just that makes him nervous that that she even wants to be in his presence because he can't he can't understand why. You know, and we I mean? we actually find out later that she's in love with him. Yeah, and he well, does. She writes that song about him, right? She does, but we don't know that because so. She says, I believe in the in the hotel room, she says something about how she's been writing this song, and until this moment, she didn't know the lyrics she was going to write. She'd had the music, but she didn't know what she was going to write lyrically. And he inspired her to write this song. Later on, they're talking about it, and Rain brings it up. Right, yeah. But we'll get to that. We get through this scene, and Kiros and Ward kind of cock-block him a little bit, but it's kind of important. They tell him, hey, we just got orders. Yeah, they got to deploy or something. We've got to deploy immediately, like, let's go. And he had fallen asleep, so she was just kind of watching him sleep because he fell asleep, and now he's awake, he's got to go. He can't say what he wants to say to her. And this is where they... This is the final time these two will ever talk to each other. Yeah, I was going to say, other. I don't think they ever see each other again, do they? They don't. No. Unfortunately, they don't. So, Tim, as classic w- war, like World War II, right. not even World War II, but like post-World War II, when like the peacekeeping soldiers were put like in Germany and stuff, like that shit happened. You hear, you hear about that stuff all the time. Right. Where they're like posted here or whatever for a couple, for like a, a, co- a couple weeks and then they move to another post. Like mm-hmm. that stuff happened a lot yep. back then. The party wakes up after this, and they all realize they had the same dream. And they're like, okay, that was weird. What's going on here? (laughs) But they just completely dismiss it. Yeah, that's true. They're like, well... They bring it up, they talk about it, like, when it happens again, but they don't really... It never comes up until that that moment again. And they're like, oh, you dreamed about Laguna? Oh, that's weird, I dreamed about Laguna. Yeah. Eh, Probably not it, probably nothing, you know? Yeah. We meet Renoa in Timber, and Squall walks in, and they're all like, oh, you gotta go meet the princess, and he's like, who's the princess, right? Right, and they, he, they, he hasn't met her outside of that dance yet, right. either, right? He so doesn't the, even know her name, does he, at, like, at this point? No, he so. doesn't. Well, because they refer to her as princess. Yeah. And then she, like, introduces herself to him when, when he gets back to her room. But they're like, oh, the princess is sleeping, go wake her up. And it kind of, this is where you also realize, like, you remember that these kids are 16, 17, 18, like, their terminology, the way they talk, 
how they address each other. It's all yeah, very they act around each other too. Yeah, very young adult sounding. Mm-hmm. Um, you go back there, you meet Renoa. She tells you who she is. You know, you have the introduces scene introduces you to her dog. Yeah, Angelo. <laughs> yeah. Who she launches off her arm yeah. as a cannon for her limit break, which is hilarious. Advocating animal abuse, apparently. Yeah, she introduces herself and she's like, Oh, you know, this is where we talked about earlier about the dance. Like, where'd you learn how to dance? Like, you're really good at this. And he's like, Oh, it's, you know, it's, it, you never know part what's going to come up in the battlefield. Part or of his training, basically. It's subterfuge yeah. and all this other stuff. And she's like, Oh, so it was just part of your job. And this is where you can kind of see that. She likes him. She likes him, but she and feels he, like a lot of their their moment wasn't as special as she initially thought either. Right, because he mm-hmm. completely dismisses the idea that maybe he wanted to dance with her. Yeah. Um. So you meet her. She's she's definitely very immature, but she shows you the plan to kidnap the president of of Galbadia. Um. And all of that. And that train sequence is fucking terrible. But it, it's not... The cutscenes are cool. Like the cutscenes are cool. The concept and everything's cool, but the the like little mini-game that it yeah. makes, makes you play is so awful. Yeah. So what I thought was funny about this was the like the they make fun of her throughout this whole scene. Like her friends do. Yeah. Right? Well, no, they all do. Yeah, they yeah, all shit on her hard, and it's what's almost zone. And what's the other guy's name? Watts. Ah, right. They like shit on her because they're like, "Oh, this these all these trains look really nice. What's what's with this one that looks kind of shitty?" And, and the one like she designed, basically. And, and I think it's Watts or Zone or whatever. They're like, "Oh, uh, well, we bought all of these. She made this one." <laughs> and then she's like. She's almost like, what's wrong with it, you know, like, yeah. and, and nobody thinks to be like, oh, it looks great. Everybody's like, well, this kind of looks shabby and the paint's kind of bad. And like, yeah. they're all and each sh- person. Every single person has their input on, on like, yeah, shit. And then she kind of asks Squall and Squall, I think I want to say Squall has a choice to kind of shit on her or, yeah, or be nice. Either. And I think this is where I, I kind of don't like that the game gives you certain choices. Because, canonically, I think Squall would be a dick here. Absolutely. More so than he would be later in the game. I mean, you can play the character any way you want, but the love story is kind of dictated by your choices. And I don't mean that in that in that it changes. No. But, but more so in how it's perceived. Yeah, that's true. So, like, Squall early on is going to be a dick, but if you're nice to her throughout the whole game, the... It doesn't really match up with like the pre, pre, right. pre done story kind of like. Yeah, you're almost story. pushing Squall in a direction that he's not ready to go yet. Yeah. So you finally get the the cart or the train put together, and it's funny because there's a soldier that walks in, and he's like, "Hmm, this train's car looks a little bit more shabby than I remember." <laughs> and like references like the yeah, them making fun the of Renoa again. Yeah. There's another the best soldier. part is like the president's such a prick that the guards yeah. don't even notice that he's been swapped. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that and there's the one guard that's like, oh, you know, I, I can't wait to buy an engagement ring. Uh, and whatever. Yeah, and the president yeah. loses his shit on him, doesn't yeah. he? Yeah. And he's like, oh, there goes uh, there goes my paycheck. I guess I'm not getting that ring or whatever. Yeah. And then later he's a dick to him again. And he's like, oh, I guess, you know, I'm not going to be able to afford that candlelit dinner because there goes another paycheck. And it's like. Yeah. 
it's you you kind of feel bad for that guy yeah yeah i always like when games do that they, they'll throw like this little random npc in and it, you get a little insight into his life and and it's like but it's also like kind of like ripping on him a little yeah. bit you you get the fake president and like renault is all hyped she's like yeah my plan worked blah 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 and then she goes to talk to him and he gets all weird and his his text his text is weird in in the text boxes it's like certain letters are randomly capitalized yeah, yeah. and you can tell something's not quite right and then all of a sudden he's like shuffling around like a zombie and yeah he's like like fucking jolting around and, and there's a, there's two phases to this fight so there's the human form and the uh Jiro Jiro form and you kill the the one form normally then you get to the Jiro Jiro form and it's like Use a phoenix down, or an X potion. Oh, or... yeah, because he's on, he's on dead, like zombie. Yeah. yeah. So you can just kill him in one fucking hit. It's like the one of the most anticlimactic fucking boss fights in the entire game. Final Fantasy does that a lot, though. Yeah, that's true, they do. Yeah. I, I'm trying I think to think... Star Miglione in, uh, in 4 was the same. Yeah, they always have, like, maybe a joke boss... Uh, 7 had it with, uh... The Cosmo Canyon boss is... Like, you just use a phoenix down and it He's kills it. Yeah. Uh, I always like that touch, but at the same time, yeah, it, it kind of, like, ruins the boss fight, too. Yeah, it seems like a waste. But it's your choice. Right. It seems kind of like a waste of a high point. But at the same time, if you don't know that that's a mechanic, you're probably not going to use it. Yeah. Exactly. So you're not going to think of that. So I could see kind of where it's not really a joke. Yeah, but back yeah. when this game came out, you know, there was no, there was not a lot of internet talk. Yeah. You I could would say probably... there was no internet talk, really, but there were, like, little cheat codes and, like... Right. Strategy guides. Bios and stuff, yeah. At the core of this game is the fact that these guys are, yes, they're trained in the military, but they're still teenagers. Yeah, and they're And their plans sound like they're written by teenagers. Yeah, yeah. They you know? sound good, except they do not they don't take into consideration if anything goes wrong. Like Right. Ever. Right, exactly. Like they even when they plan stuff, Renoa, Zone and Watts, they like hunch down on the floor like kids. Oh yeah, they, I forgot about like, that. They like, like huddle in the corner. Yeah, they're like, and they drawn even kinda stuff. leave the seed guys out of it, right? Yeah, they're they like, do. What, what are they doing? They're like, kinda like meeting secretly. Yeah. One thing that I enjoyed that this game really did, and it was a simple, really simple move, and it was the fact that they hand Squall his contract, and Sid royally fucked him. Oh, right. He says he uh, they have to stay with them until, basically, Galbadi Galb is free or something like Timber that. Is Timber free. is free. Yeah. And that is so open-ended that, basically, until Timber is liberated... Squall and the party are with Renoa forever. Yeah. So if Timber never gets liberated, they're still going to be there together with them. Yeah. And so, like, I think that little tiny detail is a good way for this party to be permanent now. So we kind of figure out that the Dalit mission was all part of this because of the, the broadcast tower. The president's trying to broadcast that he's joining Galbadia with the sorceress. They get to the the TV station, and there's something interesting. They get in front of this this TV screen, and it's got all this jumbled red lettering and everything else. 
Did you know that that's actually a message? No, I don't remember it even. You don't, so, like, you remember how they're on the stairs and there's, like, that, that, that catwalk or whatever? Yeah, yeah. Going to the, the TV station, and then right above it is a giant monitor. Yeah, yeah. And that's where the president shows up on the monitor and says, yeah, this He's is like the ambassador. In front of the podium, podium and all that? Right. Yeah. Well, before and after that, there is a bunch of red lettering going across that screen. Mm. And you know how, like, the reason why they had to get the the broadcast tower is because for 17 years there has been no... No broadcasts. No broadcasts, no radio waves, nothing, right? Yeah. There's been an interference they can't get over. Well, that's actually a message from Sorceress Adele. Really? It it is. There's actual words in there. I don't remember what they are, but it, you if you zoom in and freeze them at the right moment, you can read it, and it is a message from Sorceress Adele. Oh, weird. Which also leads to another plot twist later in the game, but again, we'll get into that. While we're watching the president, Cypher breaks into the broadcast, kidnaps the president himself, and then Swiss, uh, Quistus, Quistus, Qu- Quistus is like, oh, hey, if you're watching this, come to the broadcast station, which is obviously... And you're pretty like, much there. Yeah, right. So you walk in, and Zell is like, uh, yeah, we're from Garden. And fucking Cypher's like, good job, chicken wuss, you just told yeah, you him just where we're from. Do, yeah. Like which sets up the whole missile attack from which, the Galvedian army. Right, which sets up every... like. I, I I don't know about you, but in this playthrough, I noticed that they do a good job of getting you from one moment to the next with even the slightest details. Yeah. You know, like... Zelda. Yeah, there's not a lot of empty empty wandering in this game. I, I think the say. pacing is really good. Mm-hmm. The only time the pacing slows down is, like, disc three... And at, at that point, it's like the perfect time to do all the side quests and stuff. So I don't even mind that the pacing slows down at that point. Right. I think the pacing of Final Fantasy VIII is damn near perfect. Yeah, it's really good. Um, but yeah, so <laughs> Zell basically like beats himself up over this. He's like, "Fuck! I just revealed that Garden is where yeah, we're from." Yeah. Well, and he kind of gets down on himself. Like he. Oh yeah, a lot. He yeah. Um. Cypher takes the president into the other room, Idea appears, and basically mind controls him to an extent. What did you think of the scene when you first? So I thought it was kind of dumb that he just like bails on Seed and joins her right away. But I believe she does say something about be my be my knight or something like that. And because of who she is, she would know that that he would uh, kind of come because of that, right? Well, like here's the thing. Um, I I think that because of who is controlling Idea, she doesn't know about the orphanage. Uh, she would, because though, because doesn't she know, doesn't she get all Idea's memories and stuff like no. that? That's oh, the thing. I thought she does. That's the thing. Because when Cypher is torturing Squall later, he asks him what is Seed's secret mission. Right. And and Matron would have known. And Matron would have known. So why would you torture Squall to find that out yeah, when yeah, when yeah. Idea would know? But it seems to me like if if you are possessing someone, you don't possess their memories. You're basically 
your consciousness is going into their body, but you're not mixing consciousness. So you're not getting the information that that person has. I think I like it less then. <laughs> not no, you know what I mean. Like not not knowing with her not knowing that he's always wanted to be a sorceress's knight. I think that part doesn't really work as as well. Well, it does because we know that that Cipher loves the idea of being a sorceress's knight. Yeah, and and there's a tidbit later in the game where it says sorceresses almost always have a knight. There's like a, a mysticism about it. There's like a, a romantic, yeah, yeah, not not in a like a love kind of way, but there's like a romanticized story I, ideal of that ideal, right? Yeah. So when Cipher hears those words, "Be my knight," she is yes playing on his his childhood dreams, even though she doesn't know that. He, he would also know how how high of a position that is to, right. to anyone, right? It, it's anyone who knows. Yeah, it's kind of like it's almost like a bodyguard, but also like a vice president type yeah. position. It's not only a source of power, but also a political thing. Yeah, and to him, that's a childhood dream. It's romanticized in his head. You know, here's this hot woman wanting me to be her knight. I'm going to go do it because this is what I've always wanted with my life. Yeah. But um, at the same time, it's like he he was basically raised by Garden. Like, he might not like Gwal and Zell and those guys, but he's got to respect Sid. And Sid is basically who raised him. So I thought but, that was dumb. But in that scene, in the room, there's a purple haze going on. And then all of a sudden, Cypher is turning sides. Yeah, that's why I think there's got to be some kind of a... So there's still some form of mind control, but I think to mind control him, she had to kind of break him down. And by saying, come be my knight, you know, be a man. Let her in. Don't be a... Yeah, don't be a boy, be a man. And that's like, that's been his whole thing, right? Yeah. And so she breaks him down, she mind controls him, she brainwashes him, she gets him to go with her. And then, you know, we leave there. The party's like, oh, shit. You know, we can't go back to Balam. We got to go to Galbadia. That's our, our protocol. Well, we yeah, they're told to go to the nearest garden. The nearest like, garden. Oh, where's that? And it just happens to be Galbadia, in Galbadia, which is like enemy territory. Right. Um, But the gardens are all, like, kind of neutral, right? Like, they're kind of their own. Sort of. Um, Galbadia is kind of different because they, I believe, train Galbadian soldiers. They're not necessarily a seed uh, garden. Like they, I think they train some it seeds. Doesn't go into Galbadia's kind of background. Yeah, not much. really. I don't think Irvine is a seed though. They never specifically mention him as a seed, right? Yeah. But speaking of, we'll meet him in a second. Uh, next, we have the forest. Outside of Galbadia, and Squall, Quistus, and Selfie all collapse into deep sleep. Uh, and here we have another dream with Laguna, Kiros, and Ward. And this is actually one of my favorite dreams for one very specific reason. They're in the excavation site. They face off against some soldiers. They're forced to jump from a cliff. Right. Okay. This one. Yeah. Kiros and Ward. Order mixed up. Right. And I did too. And that's why I had to write it down as I was playing. 
because I forgot which order they go in, but they actually yeah. do go in chronological order. So they're like in Esthar at this point, right? Uh, I think they're either, yeah, they're either in Esthar or they're in, no, I think they might still be in Galbadia. Okay. But they're excavating a, like a, a crystal or a pillar of some sort, which turns out later to be the Lunatic, Lunatic Pandora. Pandora. Right. Yeah. But there's um, Esthar soldiers there, isn't right, there? Right. There's Esthar yeah. soldiers there. Um, and Kiros and Ward get injured. And they almost die. This is where Ward injures his throat and loses his voice, too. Right. So that's important for later. Um, what I loved about this scene and why it's one of my favorite in the entire game is it's another example of Laguna being like that wrong play or wrong place, right time, lucky, bumbling through life kind of guy. But it's almost the most Laguna thing in the entire game. And Heroes and Ward almost die. He throws them off the cliff Into to save them. Yeah. And then he looks down from the cliff. He's and like, he, oh, fuck. I don't know how you guys did this. <laughs> He's, like, <laughs> <laughs> He's like, you guys are brave. I don't know how you... And then he falls off. Yeah, he's, like, trying to, like, ease himself down and then slips and falls off, falls down. And, uh, dude, it it is the most... Fucking oh, shit, I don't know how you guys did this, <laughs> but they're like unconscious, and he threw them off. Basically, it's the most fucking Laguna thing in the entire game, and I love this scene because of it. Like, it's just fucking hilarious. Yeah, and you that's how they escape from the Estar soldiers. Basically, yeah, there's boats down in the harbor that they jump down into, and they're able to escape, which is the most fucking 007 bullshit way to get out of that yeah. situation ever. But. I, I I love that scene. It's one of my favorites in the entire game. That's also where uh, the coochie coochie treatment came from, right? Because he'll tickle him if he doesn't jump, kind of thing. Right? <laughs> yeah. They wake up. They're like again, and this this bothers me because again they're like, oh, you had the same dream. Oh yeah, I had the same dream. And then they just don't. And then they just never fucking bring it up again. They arrive at Galbadia Garden and. They show us a cutscene of like flying machines and everything else. Like, what did right. you think of this? Of this, I, I, the first thing I thought was like, this place is like obviously has a bigger budget than the other garden. <laughs> <laughs> like, they have been given like a military style budget, right? Whereas Balam Garden is more like a school, right? Like, it's a school first, almost, and and a military place second. Whereas this feels more like. Like, even the school itself, like, the garden itself is more well-designed. Not well-designed, but, like, more, I don't know, looks nicer, like, more modernized and everything. Well, and if you notice, like, they kind of have their own briefing room, and they kind of have, like, you know, students are working out in the hallways, and they have, yeah. they have sports equipment in places. They have a hockey rink, like... Galbadia Garden is outfitted like a motherfucker. Yeah, they like, have a way bigger budget than... Or than or more... I almost don't think it's just the budget. I want to say that it's more of, like, priorities. Yeah, that's true, too. They have like, more of a mi militaristic priority. Right. They're training soldiers. Balam Garden's more training mercenaries. But also, yeah. like, people that Raising will go... Raising kids. Right, people that will go out in the world and do what they need to do and everything else. 
So I, I think that's kind of like where we see the difference in philosophy with them. Yeah, and Trabia... And we don't really is, know much about them. Yeah, Trabia puts on plays and stuff, I guess. Because <laughs> that's all, yeah. like, Selfie ever wants to do, right? It's yeah. Like... Um, yeah, I, I... When I first saw this, I was like, oh my god, where are we? Like, this does not feel like any other part of the game we've been to so far. Yeah. Um... But it's you're in another country, right? They do a good job of making you feel like you're you've all of a sudden went to another country, kind of thing. Right, and and Balam's more of like a small town vibe, yeah. Vibe. And, and Galvedia is like cities and right, yeah, yeah. So it kind of you know they're more militaristic, they're more you know almost more advanced or civilized, I guess. Yeah, but. uh yeah, this is where we meet the best character in Final Fantasy VIII, Irvine. Yeah, Irvine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, before they meet Irvine, they have a moment where they realize Cypher's dead. Yeah, yeah. Or they're they're pretty <clears throat> damn sure he's dead. Yeah. Like, there's no reason for him R- to survive. Renoa kind of has a freak out here. And Squall, yeah. too. Uh, Renoa's like, they ask her, kind of like, did you know Cypher? And she's like, oh, we dated last summer, and I might have been in love with him. I really liked him and everything else. And then, like, Squall's kind of having his own thoughts separate from everybody else. And he's, like, yeah. freaking out internally. Well, like, he's he's kind of, like, realizing, like, this could happen to any of us. Like, Right. Well, and he's also, like, Cypher... As much as he hates Cypher, he is one of them. Yeah, they're still brothers in arms at the end of the day, right? Right, and, and it's kind of like a brotherly love. Like they, yeah. you don't they, always get along with your brother, but you, he's still your brother kind of thing. Right, and they're talking about him like he's a memory already. Like yeah, he's, and like that pisses he's, him off. Yeah, he's allegedly been dead for 20 minutes at this yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. And they're already like, oh, you know, we we may not have liked Cypher, but he was one of us, you know. And Squall and freaks Squall's, out. He freaks out because he's like, is this what people are going to say about me if this happens to me kind of thing? Yeah, and he even says, like, I don't want to be talked about in the past tense. And then he runs out of the room. Yeah. Um, And it, like it a just... Little bitch, kinda. <laughs> yeah, a little A little bit. Yeah. Uh, but Fujin and I Raijin... Think- I think deep down he's also like realizing like if he does hook up with Rhinoa, she's uh she's sloppy she's Cypher's sloppy seconds. <laughs> yeah, and they don't you know what's funny to me? Because that's I, like when he finds out that they had a history too, right? Right. And, he, and so like it kind of distances him a little bit from her now. And I'm gonna bring this up now because I don't want to forget this later, but I really for as much as this is a love story, I feel like they never explore Cypher and Renoa past this. Yeah, not really. It's kind of a throwaway line, and I I don't like the fact that that Cipher doesn't get enough character development in the entire game. Really. In the entire game, past like disc one. Yeah, and so I I don't know. I feel like they should have at least explored a little bit more of Renoa and Cipher, and maybe even have Squall be like more obviously jealous yeah, yeah. than he wants to let on. And they just kind of don't do that. No, and they don't. and it, it kind of was a but little... 
And in this most recent playthrough, it was kind of more of a disappointment for me at the end of the day. I think the only reason that they set that up in the first place, though, is so that when they encounter Cypher later on, like, she knows who he is. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, it kind of does, yeah. It just... But it is a I, I just, opportunity. Right. I kind of feel like it could have made Squall and Cypher's rivalry a little bit deeper. Yeah. Especially, like, in the torture scene later. I felt like there could have been a moment where he's like, oh, do you want me to torture your little girlfriend next or something like that? Yeah, To yeah. kind of show that Cypher is the bastard that he is trying to portray himself as. Yeah, yeah. You know, and he just doesn't do that. No. So, I feel like it was kind of a lost opportunity here. Um, now, we leave the room, and Fujin and Raijin give us new orders. We're to meet with the headmaster at the outside of Galbadia Garden, and he gives us the plan and introduces us. Or, uh, you know, no, no, you're right, Galbadia, sorry. Gives us the plan, and we meet Irvin. Yeah, and he is strutting. Or no, he's laying, he's laying in like the bush and with a, being, with a, being the cool guy. With yeah, a butterfly yeah. like on his, like he's finger, like. Finger, finger blasting his, butterflies. His finger gun. God, he's yeah. so cool. I fucking love Irvin. Yeah, he is the best. He's like a more. He's, he's like a. In, he's inverted a, weeb, basically. He, yeah, he's a Casanova Laguna. Yeah. Like, he, as he, much as Laguna underestimates his ability with women. Irvin like, overestimates. overestimates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he thinks, thinks he is this fucking pussy magnet. God's gift to women. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and he really isn't. Like he really doesn't even really know what to do if if a woman was to come on to him, kind of thing. Yeah. Either. Um. But he also like he also basically his whole life he just role plays being a cowboy. Like he's he's so like cheesy, but he plays it straight the whole time because he's, he's so fucking serious. He's such role. an anti he he is the exact opposite of everyone else yeah he in is. the party like but again they're they're showing his age yeah he um, also he's also like really smart like he's definitely like he pulls them out of a couple situations that right that that they wouldn't be able to figure out themselves like he's kind of like the voice of reason a lot of times where it's like, they'll be like arguing about, Oh, we need to do this. We need to do this. And he's like, guys, no, like if this, if you do this, this is going to happen. We need to do it this way. Kind of thing. Like he, he's a little bit more, I don't know if experienced is the word, but he definitely, as much as he plays up this like ladies, man, uh, like LARPing as a cowboy 24 seven guy. He also has like some intelligence behind him that he just, because you, it's hard to take him serious because of how ridiculous he is all the time, but he actually is like a pretty smart guy. Well, and he is, according to the headmaster, the best marksman in the Galbadian like area. Yeah, and that's why they specifically select him. But there's another reason they select him that we'll find out later on. That's more in line with the theme of the game. Um, but Irvine to me is like. I think, you know, we talked about it in our side quest podcast like two or three years ago. Yeah. And it, you said it best. You said that he's the guy that 
would say, well, while you were out chasing girls, I was mastering the sword, you know? Yeah, yeah, except with, like, the like pit, the rifle or whatever, right. right? I was mastering the rifle while you were out chasing girls. Like, yeah, yeah. he's that guy. But I, I really like Irvin because he's funny and he's smart and he's just, you, you want to root for him. Yeah, like you, do. you you want him to succeed, even my though my favorite, like as much as I hate Selfie as a character, like she's definitely my least favorite character in the entire game. Yeah, um, mine too. But she, um, he, she'll be like, because because like he'll do anything if if he thinks like it's because a girl likes him or if it'll make a girl like him. So she's like, let's go look at the train. Let's go fucking hang out and look out the window of the train. He's like, yeah, baby, whatever you want. <laughs> And he's he's just like follows her out there and thinks, dude thinks she's like all over him because of this, but really she just like kind of wants everybody to do it. But he's the only one that's like thinks she's he's she's he's that guy that like the waitress is nice to you, so you think you're like dating the waitress. Like he's, he's that he, guy. He spends four hundred dollars at the strip club because he thinks the girl wants to go home with him. Yeah, yeah, he's totally that guy. So what's funny? I'm glad that you mentioned the train thing because I actually forgot about this until you said it. If you go back and you talk, <clears throat> if you go back and you talk to them in the hallway of the train, he will actually say the line, oh, Selfie, you know, we're destined to be together. Or yeah, something. oh, I remember that. I remember something that. like yeah. that, right? And it's just funny because, like, that's another clue that something is going on that we don't realize yet. Yeah. And Irvin knows, but he doesn't let it up, let on or anything. He doesn't like know, and he... and I think that's also why he's so comfortable with everyone all the time, right? Because you notice that, like, all the other characters aren't necessarily like comfortable with each other. Like they're like even Squall, like the closest would be Squall and Zell because they kind of grew up together at the school. But even they're not like completely comfortable or open with each other. Whereas Irvin is like is like completely open and comfortable with everyone right, right off the bat. And we're going to come back to that because that's important for later, but I'm glad you brought that up. Um, so we, God damn it. I love Irvin. <laughs> so we're supposed to go to Dayling city, which is the capital of Galvadia and meet general Caraway. I felt like as much as I love the brothers guardian force, this was one of the few times where I felt like the pacing got fucking destroyed. Oh, yeah, because you stop. You have to get that stupid code. You have to, you have like, to... leave the city, go into the middle of nowhere, right. get a code from there. Um, the the GF's op optional, but why why not get it while you're there? Kind right. Of thing, right. Exactly. But yeah, that, that was kind of like a weird sidetracky moment. Well, and the, the summon is actually key to getting Squall's Lionheart in disc one. Because you can reform, you can refine the Minotaur card to get the adamantines right. that you need for his yeah. weapon. But I, I felt like this is the first time where the pacing was killed for me because you go into this maze and it's like a perspective puzzle. So if you walk in straight and you turn left, you have to go straight, or you're taking turns. Or yeah. if you, so or what if I you do, take a right. You might actually be going straight, like it's. Yeah, you're talking about the the tomb. Yeah, the tomb, the tomb of the, the unknown, unknown king. king. Yeah, yeah. So what I always do, and I've never needed the map or anything, 
is I always just stick to the to the right wall and do a circle around the whole thing. Cause if you're always turning right, you're always, you know where you are all the time. Cause you're right. always on the outside. So that's what I do. Cause you end up doing a lap pretty much anyways to open everything up. So I've always done that. It's never Which, steered me wrong. What really bothers me about it too, is that like the number is randomly generated. Yeah. So, so you can't if, even look it up. Yeah. Or, you can't even look it up. So if me and you were write playing it down for the right. next time you played. Right. So if me and you were playing, at the same time, the same game, everything, your number is going to be different than mine. So I yeah, can't even yeah. I can't even like message you and say, hey, the number's this. Yeah. What really bothers me about it is that they send you all that fucking way to go get it, and it's literally two screens in, and you're done. Yeah, yeah. And if you don't think to explore the dungeon, because you're not even in the dungeon all the way. No, you're like two screens in the up entrance. Yeah. And so if you don't think to explore this, you're gonna miss the brothers GF. You're going to miss some items and you're going to leave and go to General Caraway's mansion. And it was like, what the fuck was the point of that? Yeah. You know, and I, I like the Tomb of the Unknown King, but I hate when how, it is, when it is and how short yeah. it is. And, yeah, yeah. you know, it, it's almost if you're going for a completionist run where you get all the guardian forces, you know, I highly recommend doing all of it and brothers is a great gf great gf um but not necessary uh but yeah i i just really did not like the pacing of it at no, all i think i think they could have done that um maybe in between the desert prison and the missile base and i think it would have been a little bit better like put it in between Somehow, yeah. Like if they would have relocated it to that desert and stuff, I think it would have suited everything a little bit better, maybe. But I could see that, or or making it part of Dailing City, where you had to go and find it in, like, I don't know, underground or something. Yeah, I don't know. I think or like felt... on the out, just on the outskirts of the city, there's like an old tomb or something. Right. Exactly. Yeah, but yeah, instead yeah. of having to walk for fucking ever, run yeah. through you a could bunch take of a car. Right. Right. The cars were so weird in that game and I like never used them. It's yeah, like me they, neither. It's like the the developers like were trying to make it this cool big deal but then like there's no point in ever using them. See Especially the great thing the Chocobo. And I meant to talk about this earlier but the great thing about the remastered version is the 3 times speed, the no encounters and the god mode. And they are a quality of life improvement that if you're going to play this game I highly recommend you play with those things available to you because holy shit are they a game changer getting especially the no the no encounter because traveling works. is so much faster it's so much safer if you're trying to do a low level run it's would much better to do with no encounters in this game would you pretty much like i think no encounters in this game is the best game to have it in yeah and you can get it from uh you can get uh diablos, diablos can learn it yep but, but it takes uh, a while yeah, it does take a while. And you it's actually like a thousand, have to get thousand, I think, AP, isn't it? No, like it's it, a high. None none of them are that high. It's oh. like it's like maybe 150 or something like oh, that. Oh, okay. But uh yeah, so I, I think the quality and life improvements really helped with the Tomb of the Unknown King. So I I highly recommend the remastered version if you don't care that the character models are a little bit out of place. Um I like the new character models, honestly. Yeah, um, they're not bad. They look a little Kingdom Heartsy. I didn't like the the Final Fantasy X 
new character. No, at I didn't. All. Need, they I didn't either. Super weird. They yeah, don't they, suit the. They do look super weird. Um. So, yeah, it's. I don't know, but not to harp on this too much. We complete the mission, and then we go back to General Caraway, and we find out that this is Renoa's house. Yeah. Like this is Renoa's dad. Um. And this is where, you know, the whole Renoa kind of tells us a little bit about her past, but not a whole lot. Yeah. Also, um, at, in Galbadia, they were told that they had to assassinate the sor- the sorceress. Right. Same. They had to they had to assassinate her. Um. So they're going to split into two teams, and the gate team. Basically, the plan is they're going to. There's a parade going on in the sorceress's honor. They're going to wait until she gets to the archway. They're going to close the gates, and then Irvine's going to take the shot and kill her. Yeah, he's getting up into, like, a tower so that he's got a good vantage point. Yeah, This plan makes a lot of sense, but there's some weird technical things that I don't know if you noticed, but I'm going to point them out when we get to that part. But So the gist is is that they're going to kill the sorceress, and if things go wrong, they're going to do a full frontal assault. The one team is Squall and Irvine, who is the sniper team, and then the gate team is Quistus, Selfie, and Zell. They're going to assassinate the sorcerers during the parade, uh, but Renoa is not to be involved. General Carraway does he not go- want tries her to lo- Yeah, he tries to lock her in, in that room. And but then so- she locks all of them in that room. Right, on accident. But what's funny about this is, the door is on a timer, so Renoa could have left Anytime she wanted. Yeah. And it's, it's, this is another re- way they killed the pacing. Because then you had to go through the sewers. Then you had to go Didn't through. Didn't you have to go through the sewers and back or something? I can't remember. No, was... you, you went through the sewers and you, uh, then from the sewers you got into the gate and then the gate lowered and all that. But the sewers, I got lost in there because yeah, I didn't the know. Suck ass. And Dude, there's a lot so of items bad. that are like super missable items that you yeah. like really want to get in there too. I didn't like the fact that like you had to ride the little like oh, weird wait, water mill, the water wheel things. Yeah. yeah, and if you didn't know that, like you, I had a hard time remembering that that's what I had to do. Right. So, I, I really didn't like how they... And you have to go to the end of every hallway to see if the gate opens, or if it's like a not even a gate at all kind of thing half the right. time. And I hated it, too. are the worst in, like, every JRPG, Yeah, though, pretty much. Except Just... for 7, where it was two screens. I don't even remember. Oh! I don't even remember the sewers in 7. Yeah, because they're so short. It's where you fight uh, Abzu. Oh, I don't remember that. The water monster with the chains. Is that like the set when you come back to Midgar? No, that's in the first disc. Oh, okay. it's right before the train graveyard. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I always just thought of that as like, yeah, like a subway system or something. So what bothers me about this scene is that they go back because Quistus is upset because she was mean to Renoa. Yeah, that's so fucking dumb. And it's dude. so stupid because these guys are fucking highly military. They're trained. at the peak of the end of their mission. That they, right. you know what I mean. I mean, this is this is it. Like in in mere moments, they're going to be assassinating the sorceress, and they're like, 
oh, we were I think really... I might have hurt her feelings. Yeah. They're like, ooh, ooh, I hurt her feelings, you know. It's like, god damn it, no. And this is the this is the kind of mistakes they make throughout the game that frustrate me. Yeah. Because I'm it, like... It just makes no sense. It's adding drama for the sake of adding drama for yeah. no reason. And yeah, yeah. this is where I... I have to critique the writing or the direction of the game because yeah, yeah. stuff like this is annoying for the, the sake of, oh, we have to add drama. Oh, are they going to make it to the gate? Are they not going to make it to the gate? Is the plan going to go through? Like, they just do all this dumb shit for no yeah. reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just doesn't fit. It just, it, you're right, it doesn't. Um, And then Rhinoa, she's got her, like, she got that thing from Odin, right? Yeah. That she wants to give the sorceress because it can, like, stop a sorceress's powers or something. Right. Yeah, it, it, like, suppresses them or... or yeah, suppresses them, yeah. Weakens so she's, them like, or something. sneaking kind of behind the stage and trying to get to Adea, and she kind of fucks up the plan a little bit, too, right? Yeah, like, she gets caught. Yeah. Um, And that's the other thing, too. Like, that was the reason why Quistus was mean to her. Because Qu- Renoa's like, oh, I've got this item that'll suppress the sorceress. But then they're like, oh, well, uh, you know, that's a dumb plan. Yeah. Like, they're, 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 like, talking shit to her and telling her, like, no, this is the plan. This is what we're going to do. And she just goes on her own anyway, which we knew she was going to do. Yeah, she's but just like that, too. Then they go back because they're mean to her. Like, yeah. You were trying to protect her, but now you're like gonna ruin, possibly ruin your own major entire plan. mission, the right. entire mission. Yeah, ah, oh, it just bothers me. It's dumb. Yeah, yeah. So, well, and then and then when Adea is giving her speech, um, Squall and Irvin are in the crowd, right? Right. And and they see, don't they see Rhinoa up there because Rhinoa is like basically in a trance, right? Right. She's like all fucked up. And then the best is when they like. They like the sorceress like kills the president and the crowd just cheers. Yeah. And it's like I feel like this is gonna sound a little fucked up maybe, but I feel like like nowadays the way the way the world is now, like it kind of makes sense. Like I I could see that happening now a days. Like how much we despise our like government leaders nowadays compared to when that game was made. It like Back then, it was like, why would they do this? But nowadays, I feel like I feel like we're so like oppressed by our like government leaders and stuff, and and they're they're like there's such like a a gap between like a government leader, a government official, and like a regular person now. Whereas like in the '90s, it wasn't really like that to that degree. It didn't seem like, anyways. So, I wanna I wanna pose a thought to you about that though. These are FMVs that are being played in the background while she's talking, right? Right. And she is, and and keep in mind, this is also a game from Japan, so her saying some of the things that she says in English are a little bit more alluded to in Japanese. They're not straight up like, oh, you guys are worms, I'll step on you, you know what I mean? Like, her her way of speaking... Think of think of the, all the sim- simps in the crowd that are thinking, "Step on me, mommy!" And she's <laughs> yeah, saying, <laughs> "Fuck, I'd let her." Goddamn! <laughs> and then they're like, "They're like, yes!" 
Also, they're doing the thriller. If you didn't notice in in oh, the oh yeah the the like yeah. in the FMV thing yeah yeah. So uh, anyway, she gets on stage. Renoa is up there with her, and she's like, "Oh, all you guys are are have oppressed sorceresses for for years, and you know you guys are going to be." She just talking shit to the crowd, right? Yeah, and they're loving it, and they're loving it, and. I've seen a lot of people say like, "Oh, you know, she's mind controlling the crowd," but I don't no, think that's I don't it. Think so. I legit think that they made that FMV and they didn't want to go back and fix it because they'd already spent all the money on it, so they just kept it in the scene. It well it could just be a different translation too, right? Because even well, but even after she kills the president, they are still dancing. Like it's ju- I, to me, I think it's just it's a coincidence. I think it's an FMV that they didn't want to fix. Could and, be. And they just left it in there. Um, I don't think there's enough to like really read too much into it. But think of uh think of Estar. Like Estar was the most powerful nation in the world because their leader was a sorceress. So it could be part of that too, right? Like I don't know. Yeah, I guess that's true. Um it, it's crazy too though, because like the president steps in and is like, Hey, uh, what are you what are you doing? Like this wasn't part of the plan, and she just like get bloop, fucked, yeah, <laughs> and dies, and just crumples yeah. him right there. And uh, then she's like, "Oh, the end of these of this uh, celebration is going to be with a sacrifice or whatever." And she like animates these giant. I think they're called iguodons. Yeah, what, well, I think the they're, they're like gargoyles, but they look like iguanas, basically. Right. Uh, this is where you get Carbuncle if you draw yeah, another it. Another fucking another bolt. Yeah, yeah, another remissible GF. Um, I remember because yeah. like I didn't know what Carbuncle was, right? Yeah, and so and then the the big boss fight, the final boss of Disc One, can happen soon. I just remember using Carbuncle, and I was like, "What the fuck did that do?" <laughs> I was like, "This is the shittiest," and I never used Carbuncle ever again after that. Yeah. So, uh, we. It's funny because like we save Renoa, we get Carbuncle if you draw it from her, and then they they they're gonna go ahead and continue the plan. Like they go to yeah. the the little carousel thing, and the parade starts. You know everybody's dancing, the procession's going on. Did you She's notice on, like her float thing? Yeah. Or whatever. Did you notice that there's no possible way that Irvine could have made that shot? Why? Because the parade starts underneath where Squall and Irvine are posted. Right, but the gate's, like, away from that. She's moving away from them. Oh, yeah, she would shoot, they'd shoot the back of the yeah the, the car. So, there's, like, a big wall behind her. Yeah, so they there's no way Irvine could have actually made that shot to kill her. Yeah, because they're driving this way. She's driving this way. There's, like, a big wall thrown kind of thing behind right. her. Yeah, 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 that's yeah. true. <laughs> yeah, and the other thing is, when the shot is taken, it's from the front. Yeah, so it makes no fucking sense at all. None at all. <laughs> but, uh, so... And it's like, remember that movie where they can, like, bend bullets by, like, shooting... <laughs> oh, <them>? yeah, I <laughs> can't think of what that movie's called, but I know it wanted is that movie. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, no possible way they can make that shot. Um, But Irvin can do it. He does it. Yeah, Irvin can do it. Uh, so they get to, she gets to the gate and we realize that Cypher is with her. So he's not dead like we thought. 
which is kind of like a big reveal, but they also don't really do much with it. Like, you fight yeah. him, but it's not until the prison that they really do something with it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, so the gate closes. Irvine panics. What? Yeah, what? He's, he's having like an anxiety attack, basically. We talked about this before, but I want to know what your impression was when this first happened. The first time, I was like, I, I just thought he was like one of those guys that just choke in the moment. Like, so you didn't put anything together here at this point in time? No, not at all. I don't know how you could. Well, you couldn't, but did it? Did it occur to you later in the game why he may have acted that no. way? No, not until recently did I think of that. Okay, so I I should probably save it for later, but I'm going to bring it up now. I think the reason why he had a, a panic attack at first, and not just because it was a pressure situation, but because he's the only one who actually remembers their past. Yeah, but but the first time I played it, like... <clears throat> You don't, there's no way you would know that, right? Right, there's no way you would put that together at first, but if you were to, like, Play recall that scene while that's all going on, it makes perfect sense. Yeah, yeah, he's not, doesn't want to shoot his matron, like, the, the right. person that raised them as children, right? Right. He knows. He's the one that still has his memories, the others don't. And that goes back to when I said, like, he's comfortable with all of them, right? Right out of the gate, because he remembers growing up with all these people under... Adea. Adea basically raised them all at the orphanage. Right. And so uh, I didn't like this scene at first, I'll be honest. When I played this the first time, I was like, here's I this guy. Because I liked him. And then yeah. it was like, it kind of made him up to be a bitch, right? A little bit, yeah. And then, yeah. I like, once I played it, I realized like, oh, okay, you know. But I, I didn't like this scene at first because it looked visually really cool. Yeah, but at the same he time, did make like the shot though, honestly, she just he, put up a barrier. He did, but I think the idea behind it is that because he hesitated, she caught on to them and put the barrier up. Right, and I think the other thing that I have a problem with with this plan is like, okay, assassinate the sorceress, and, and military wise, they do a smart thing in closing the gates so she can't escape. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, that would trigger her to put a force field up right Right, but she the, knows she's in danger their now. biggest advantage in this whole situation is the element of surprise yeah she does not know this plan is in action right she yeah. knows nothing even when, when those then when those gates shut then she knows she's in danger right so even with renoa doing what she did idea did not know that they that there was an assassination attempt coming and so it it kind of like it it, it just kind of is another thing in this game where they kind of just, just don't bad bad writing at that point. They don't think things through. Yeah, they honestly would have been better off sniping her from the gate tower when she was on the podium. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Exactly. Like keep her distracted, take the shot, take her out. But they didn't mm -hmm. do that, and I and I almost wonder if like. It's like dramatic effect, kind of. That, and they needed a reason for the party to split up. Yeah, that's true. And it bothers me, too, because General Carraway is a goddamn general. Like, you would think his plans are going he, to be 
Yeah. Semi-flawless, right? Yeah, yeah. And and it's and the plans are in his city too. So it's not like he's dealing with like these blueprints of a city. Like he knows right. his city. He would know the layout and where they would need to be, and yet his plan is so flawed. Yeah. It, it's almost like the the party came up with it. Yeah. You know? So anyway, they you know, Irvine misses the shot, Squall jumps into a car and takes off and makes his way to the gate, gets on the float, and fights Cypher. You beat Cypher, and it... This is such a weird spot for me, because this is the very end of disc one, and Squall gets hit with that icicle. Right, right through the chest. It'd be right like through Blizzard the chest. Or at the right. time, probably. And he wakes up, and he has no scar. He has no wound. Yeah, that part was weird. But Nothing. I mean, I don't know. I think I think that's when you get into like video game logic. Like in battle, you're cutting Cypher in half. Like your right. sword's going through him. So but I think you gotta put that in, but I would agree with that if they didn't mention it. Oh, do they mention it? Yes. Squall's literally like I don't have a mark. What's wrong? And I think this is why... And then they never address that either, right? right? After he mentions it. I think that's why a lot of people think that Squall is dead. Could be, that whole, like, theory thing. Because Squall would be, like, he'd be damaged, he'd be bloody. Like, why is he not bleeding? Why does he not have a scar, at least? Like... Yeah, yeah. And I think a lot of people took that as, like, okay, the second half of the game, Squall's dead. I mean, there's 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 a lot of reasons why that doesn't hold weight, but it is a very it's a it's one of the, probably the biggest theories of this game besides Renoa is Ultimisia, yeah, yeah. But we end this one. The creators have come out and said neither of those is true, right. though. Uh, I think they said about the Ultimisia one that if they were to go back and do it again, they would have made it like that because that, it's a good idea or that, something like that, that. Well, not that they would have made it like that, but that they would consider making that the case. Yeah. If they wanted to, like in a remake or something. Yeah, yeah. Um so we end disc one. Uh and this is where we get our next Laguna dream. Oh right. This two starts in Windhill, right? Yes. It starts in Windhill with Laguna and who we find out is alone. Yeah. The little girl. The little girl. Um so it revealed it's revealed that he's been out of the military for a year, and since he never came home from the war, Julia and him never ended up together, and Renoa was born between Julia and General Carraway. Uh Laguna was in Rain's care for six months, and he decided to stay with her and alone and protect their home from monsters. Uh another reason why he did this was because the Astarian sorceress Adele, who we'll meet later, uh, was kidnapping young girls looking for a successor and alone being one of I her targets. I forgot about that. Part. Yeah. She was after alone even before anyone realized How that did al- she know about alone? So they it, it wasn't that she knew about alone. Uh they were looking for a successor for her. And so they oh, were Oh, so it wasn't even that she knew alone had these powers. Right. Was, they were just looking for a kid to secede right. the sorceress. She did oh. find out later, which is why alone becomes so important to everybody's plans. But yeah, okay, okay. She was just a, she just happened to be a little girl at that time. 
and the sorceress was kidnapping little girls looking for a successor. Um, but something interesting happens here because he meets up with Kiros again, and Kiros specifically mentions Ward, and that Ward is a janitor in the D-District prison. Yeah. So it's kind of setting up what's about to happen, which is another example. The like main cast, yeah. Yeah, like I said earlier, this is this is what I think the game does really well. It sets up the next part of the game. The very next part. With what is happening in this scene. Yeah. And they do this throughout the entire game, and I think this is one of the strong points of Final Fantasy VIII, is that each moment is important sequentially. Yeah, yeah. Um, but this is the point where, you know, Kiros is like, how's your life been? What have you been up to? And Laguna kind of fills him in, like, you know, Rain took care of me. I decided to stay and protect the town for, to pay them back. And yeah, this is where it's nice. It's nice that Kiros is there visiting because that's how you find out like Laguna's story from where we last left off till now. Well, and it's a, it's kind of a slice of life thing, right? Like, yeah, we realize that, oh, okay. Uh, Laguna is out of the military. He's no longer part of that life. And even though he loved rain or he loved Julia, he now knows that life is over. And so he just never makes it back to Galbadia, you know, and goes and sees her. And they, I want to say they reveal that she died also. Julia. Yeah. In this scene. Yeah, I think Um, so. They definitely mentioned that she never, she never met the person she wrote the song about again. I do remember them saying, right? That. Yeah, Rain yeah. brings it up. Uh, yeah. Rain doesn't know, and I don't think Laguna knows either. He Rain would be oblivious to it, even if right, even if she told it to him. Probably, right. <laughs> you know. Well, I mean? unless he remembered that she had told him that she inspired him, but they don't really bring that up again. I don't think. Yeah. Um. But Rain mentions a the song eyes on me mm-hmm. and she says oh that song was written by julia for a man she met that went off to war but never came home yeah and so she married general caraway and had a daughter which is renoa and then Later, she passed away. Now, if you go into the menu and and look her up, it actually does say that she, like, died at age 28 in a car crash or something like that. Really? Yeah, I believe so. I think it was a car crash, if I remember right. But, yeah, she died, and that's why, you know, Caraway just has Renoa by himself. Mm. Um, Explains why he's extra protective of her, too, right? Right. So, it's one of those things where, like... They they did a really good job of connecting Julia and Laguna and saying, like, okay, we need you to know that this relationship never materialized. Yeah. Rain and Laguna are now together. And that's... And he has no interest in... Well, he can't because she's dead, but, I mean, he, he doesn't really have interest in going back to... Right. For Julia. Or he doesn't... Yeah, he there. doesn't have any... Like, 
desire or reason. Right. He he doesn't have any reason to go back to Galbadia. Yeah. Because his his military life's over. So he is. In he fact, does have, he'd probably get charged for going AWOL, honestly. Right. Isn't that like a thing? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like I would say. I mean, it's off. possible. Yeah. Although, I think there are Galbadian soldiers in Windhill that he talks to, if I remember right. Oh, I can't remember. So they would know. Has know, it been established at this point that he writes for Timber Maniacs? No. Uh, actually, I'm glad you brought that up because I forgot about this. Uh, Kiros brings it up to him. And says, hey, uh, you know, I know you want to travel the world or whatever, uh, but you have a really good thing going with Rain and, and Alone. But if you ever decide to, there is a company called the Timber Maniacs looking for writers or that is looking right? for writers and photographers and freelancers to submit articles. And he's like, I know that's something you've always wanted to do. So... If you ever decide to leave this town, think about it, and you can travel the world and do that. And yeah. it's really cool because if you pick up the Timber Maniacs articles... Yeah, way earlier when you're in Timber. Yeah, if yeah. you pick up all of the ones throughout the game, you can kind of piece together how Laguna's life went Yeah. after he left Windhill, and it's really, really cool. Um, and so, he, this game actually has a lot of different like magazines that, that you can kind of follow... Mm -hmm. And uh, the other one is like that. It's almost like a lore magazine. Like, what is it called? Do you remember what it's called? That other one where it's like always they're always talking about like monsters and paranormal shit. I don't remember that one. And that's where you learn about. Remember that UFO you can encounter and. Oh, um, yeah. And that's how you learn about like Doom Train and like all this stuff. Like there's like there's like these hidden magazines all over the game. Some of them are pet pet pals or whatever yeah the one that gives you angelo's abilities. abilities and then the way the weapons work you can't just go to a weapon shop in final fantasy 8 you have to pick up these weapons yep. monthly or whatever and then it tells you the recipes to craft all the weapons um there's, there's one for so many zell's limit breaks yeah right martial art i can't remember what what his is called it's like yeah, a martial I, arts magazine it's like or fighting something, something or, or other yeah, so but, like, uh, there's all these magazines, so you're always kind of keeping your eyes peeled for them, and then some of them involve lore, and some of them involve like upgrading your characters and their abilities and stuff like that. And I thought that was kind of cool because it fits with the that world too, right? Like it's it's a more modern world where like you would like oh let's get uh, especially like in like the 90s when it came out, mm -hmm. people would have like magazine subscriptions like to everything. Right, like, because that's how you inform yourself. You didn't couldn't just go to the internet and subscribe to a website or a YouTube channel or something, or or a podcast, or a podcast. Like, so the other thing too is like we don't know yet that this is in the past. Correct. Yeah, but there are well, a, we kind of now know a, at a, this point because of because of alone and her age, sort of. But I don't think we know that that's, that the girl that we're seeing occasionally is alone yet. I think if I remember right, right I don't know if we know the the adult woman's name. Right. Yeah. So the 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 hints that they give you that this is in the past is that the sorceress war, which happened, you know, seventeen years ago or so, something like that, is happening was a, <laughs> basically was adele right yeah and 
that the fact that the sorceress war is still going on yeah is the key that we know this is in the past but if you don't think about it this is another way that the game doesn't properly let you know that you're in the past but i think that's kind of on purpose Starting, yeah and this is where it starts to kind of come right. come together they kind of drip feed you yeah, what they want fact. you to know, and then they kind of let you put together the pieces, which I think in this instance is one of the few times where I don't mind that Kitase yeah, yeah, yeah. That, and that bit of mystery there, yeah, right, because you are going to find out eventually, exactly. Whereas a lot of the other time, you you do find out, but it's like some shitty way, right? Um, uh, one thing, one thing I've always thought of is like because they always do like. Not always, but after the after ten Final Fantasy ten, they start doing like sequels and prequels, and everything. And I always thought that Final Fantasy eight would have always been the best one to do a prequel of, because of how much everyone loves Laguna. Like I think telling Laguna's full story would have would have been a really good like prequel to do. But at the same time, it's it's kind of weird because the guys that made eight are the guys that made like seven remake and kind of like butchered it in our opinions. Right. Right. And, and made uh crisis core. Like I like crisis core, but there is some dumb shit in crisis core. So I feel like, um, I feel like it's weird because I would like them to do a prequel, but I wouldn't want in this case, the original creators of eight to work on the prequel. Right. You know what I, I, mean? I feel because I know mean. they'd fuck it up. It wouldn't, it wouldn't fit with the Canon. Cause they did that with crisis core. They fucked, they fucked up the canon with Crisis Core. They fucked with the canon with everything, right? They can't. Right. They can't keep their their like facts straight, basically. Yeah, and games. and the thing is that I feel like they would have a lot to work with because of how much of the the Laguna stuff was cut. Because oh, they yeah. they've openly admitted that they cut a lot of Laguna stuff. Well, yeah. How does how does Adel end up fucking in space, strapped into that coffin? Like that, the final battle would have to be getting Adel to that point you know what i right. mean like it would be it would be good because there's so many there's so many like good fact evidence-based parts that lead into each other but those gaps need filling so badly at the same right. time um the next section is a big big hint at everything and i did not fucking notice this in my playthrough my first playthrough, this last playthrough, I for sure noticed it. Um, Squall wakes up in the D-District prison, which is the worst fucking part of this part game. Part of the whole game, yeah. Fucking worst part. Uh, and he is being tortured, and everybody can hear his screams. This is how fucked Through this part halls, of the game. Yeah, yeah this, ga this part of the game, for as much as I hate it, is super fucked, and I love the story of it. Yeah, I, I don't... think if the if the prison was just designed different, it would have not been so goddamn bad. Right. If it hadn't been a fucking copy paste on every yeah. floor, I would have not just had a problem. Run, with literally it. running in a circle, copy pasta like six floors down and yes. then like twelve floors back up. It's yeah, fucking it's awful. Fucking horrible. But this is where the game gets really dark, and I I feel like Squall is being used as kind of like a messiah figure here. Well, I mean, he's even being like almost crucified on the wall. He is. He is yeah. pinned to this wall being electrocuted in a in a cross pattern. 
Yeah, yeah. And so Cypher is torturing him, and everyone can hear it. The party can hear screams. They don't realize that it's... I don't think they realize that it's Squall being tortured, but they can hear it. They're like, what is that? Yeah. Um. They also, they're locked up. They don't have any of their weapons and right. all that. They're stuck in their cell. They and this is a little plan. Yeah, and this is where, like, you start to realize that Idea's memories are not Ultimecia's. Like, yeah, you yeah. would think that she would know the purpose of Seed, but she doesn't. Yeah. He's getting tortured. Cypher's like, oh, I, you know... What's I... stupid is Cypher should know. Cypher like, doesn't know because he's not he a Seed. I know, but like... And they only tell Seeds... fucking knows. Not really, though. Because seeds only receive their orders. Like, even Squall and them didn't know. That's true. If you think about it, like, they until did not after know. Norg, basically. Yeah, until after Norg, they had no idea that they were supposed to be trained to kill the sorceress. Yeah. So, like, he's getting tortured. Cypher's asking him, what's the purpose of seed? You know, he, he's not giving up. He's not giving an answer. But that's because he doesn't know. Yeah, yeah. And Cypher doesn't believe him. He's and like, you can like, feed him bullshit. You can tell yeah. him whatever you want to try and get there's, him to stop. Yeah, because there's a point where the conversation will go differently and they will stop torturing Squall if you answer a certain way. Yeah, yeah. So if you lie your way out of it, they will... Stop but torturing they still leave, you. They still leave you hanging there, I think, right? You just... Right, they still leave you hanging. But, but... they're not electrocuting you. They leave right. the room. They get yeah. confused. They leave the room or whatever. This is the major hint that I did not realize until this playthrough. The Moombas come in, mm-hmm. and, they free oh, squ- and, they... and they free Squall. But do you know what they say to him? Don't they call him Laguna all the time? Yes. Yeah. They do nothing but call him Laguna. Yeah, and it's because he looks like him, right? And I did not think about that until this playthrough. Oh, really? Yeah, it never occurred to me. Because I forgot it. By the time... By the time I got to the reveal, it was the furthest thing from my mind because I hated this fucking segment. Yeah, But this playthrough, I was looking for these types of things. So... I was able to see it this time more so than all the other times that I had played it. Um, and we find out where Moombas originate to later, which is kind of cool also. Yeah, uh, Moombas are really good, and I wish they'd bring them back. Yeah, for, same. Like, other Final Fantasy games. They should be They should be as included, honestly, as Moogles and Chocobos, I, right. I believe. They were really good. Uh like a little creature. They were in ten as a uh, as a oh as a Lulu's doll animal. Yeah, yeah. Um. So Squall's like, "Why are you calling me this? Like, yeah. How do you know Laguna? Like, why? Why do you? Why are you calling me this? I hate this section for another reason, and it's because of how fucking dumb of of a prison break it is. How fucking inept and stupid are these guards? That they're like, that Zell's like, oh, you might want to help. The, yeah, uh, Biggs and Wedge, isn't it? Uh, no, it's 
they do show up, but they're not the ones that they trick. Oh, okay. Uh, it's literally a guy called Mean Guy is the name is the name of the guy. Right, right. So they trick him, and they're like, "Oh, uh, there's something wrong. I think my my friends got bit by a snake in a fucking right. underground prison." Hey, it's in the desert, though. True, but still, like this high security prison, and a snake got in and just happened to bite the party, like. Yeah, but that's like a that's like an old trope, right? Like, right. oh, my friend's not feeling good, so they open yeah. the gate, and then you beat them up in this game. I know. Kind of thing. It just fucking annoys me because I hate prison breaks in video games. They're always the worst. Yeah, they um, are. Them, but, and, yeah, uh, them and sewers are just consistently bad. Just, every time. Yeah, there's no good jail or sewer levels ever. Yeah. Um. So Squall gets out. He joins his friends, and. His- his fucking like entrance where he's just like they're like they're like kind of pinned up against like they can't escape yeah. and then all of a sudden squall comes like up through the middle of the prison cuz everything's like a ring right yeah. like it's a big circle yeah. and the the middle's open and squall comes jumping up and like slashes the guards and like that part was pretty cool well and renoa comes Renoa in. and Irvin, yeah yeah and she kicks him down the fucking stairs because he's oh, like yeah <laughs> he tumbles down because she's like oh but uh, he's like blasting at guards and stuff like yeah Irvin. he's actually super badass in this scene yeah but it's just funny because because he's like i was supposed to bring you back to to dailing city like we need to go and she's like Fuck you! And she just kicks him down the stairs. Right, he was he was sent to rescue her, right? right. But not the others. And then yeah, she by was Carraway. Like, no, we're not leaving unless unless we have the others, kind of thing. Right. So, well, and it's because uh, Squall and and I never thought about this until later, but Squall jumps in the car without Renoa and Irvine to go face Adea. So I, him, Quistus, Zell, and Selfie were all in the tower, so that's why they all got arrested. Together. Right, but Renoa and Irvine were away, so they didn't get arrested, so that's why they're here right. now. And I never put that together until this playthrough either. Um, Which makes me wonder if I even fucking paid attention when I played video games back in the day. Because there's so many things I'm seeing now... That it didn't yeah, but this is before. also one of those games where everything's fairly like cryptic, and you know what I mean. Yeah, I guess that's true. Not everything, but a lot of things. And I thought the FMV sequences in this were so fucking cool, with the the, the drill drilling into the ground yeah. and stuff. Yeah, that was super cool. Except I never knew if I made it or not. I'm always like, oh Same. my fucking god, do I have to redo this all? Same, because you're uh, like shimmying across, and yeah, this but, yeah, was that easily... prison sucked ass. Easily and you the keep, worst. It wouldn't even be so bad, but you keep going to the bottom, to the top, to the bottom. To the, yeah. Like, come on, man. Just well, fucking and, let him inst- escape. Instead of letting you, like, run around the circle or, like, run through, you know, to the next stair step, they're like, let's put this fucking bullshit. Little wall. Yeah, this little bullshit wall in there. Every they cup- could clearly jump over, too. Right. Especially since Squall jumped out of the fucking middle of the goddamn... Yeah, 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 from, like, the bottom floor to the fucking middle. Right. So, uh, they get out of the jail, and they witness the Trabia and Balam Garden. Uh, they, they see, they know that the gardens are being targeted by missiles now. Doesn't, uh, how do they find out? Doesn't somebody, like, pull up, and they're like, 
almost like Travia has been hit by a missile strike or something like that. No, I, I don't remember how they find out. I don't remember how they find out. That was one of the details that I forgot is to write it, down. Is it on the radio when they're in the car escaping? When they're driving away, maybe? It might be. I No, uh, Cypher. I think Cypher tells him, doesn't he? Oh, maybe. I'm I think Cypher sure. says something about how uh, Garden has betrayed the sorceress or whatever, so, uh, you know, they're... Because is going to use Galbadia Garden as her base. Right. But Balam Garden and Trabia Garden are going to be targeted by missiles because of of Squall. I think I think it's him. Um. So they decide they're going to stop the missiles. Uh, some are sent back. Some are going to go back to warn Balam, and the rest right. are going to go to the missile base to try and stop the missiles from being launched. Yeah, and once they get to the desert, then Trabia Garden gets hit. Yeah. Yeah, so you, can, you see the missiles launch. Right, you see them launch yeah. and selfie and selfie knows that's the direction of Trabia Garden. Yeah. So she's upset, she knows like and that's why I I always sent her. Yeah, same. Um I I don't know about you, but I always any chance I got whenever they asked you to split the party, I always sent Irvine with Quistus and Selfie. Because I felt like, like I'm gonna hook my boy up, right? You know? <laughs> yeah. And, I always, uh, uh, I always just sent all the shitty characters to the missile base, like the characters I didn't like, and then I brought the rest of them to. Right. Yeah. So uh, there's a big part where you don't have those characters. Right. Um. So yeah, you kind of learn that the the missile base is gonna be firing again. They're gonna fire uh, at Balam Garden, and. Uh, so you split the party, you can choose whoever you want. The dialogue changes a little bit, depending on who you send. So, if you send Renoa, later in Fisherman's Horizon, uh, Squall's dialogue will change, and he'll act like he missed her a little yeah, bit. I remember that, because I always send Renoa, because... See, I, I never I did. I don't I, like her in battle, right? So Yeah, I always send Renoa with Squall, because I felt like that was the canon choice for me. Right. Um... Because even when I was younger, I, I could tell like that was the direction the game was going. Was these two were going to end up together? Yeah. Because yeah. even in the opening FMV, like yeah, yeah, they're the two. The scene where they like fall into each other's arms or whatever, yeah, right? Yeah. You know. So I always sent them together. I did not like the missile base either. No, same. I hated it. It was very tedious. There was a lot of back and forth. Um, there's a lot of like little shitty. I don't even know if puzzles the word. There's like a lot of little things you have to do and you don't even know. There's nothing even telling you if you're doing anything right or wrong. Like, like moving the missile launcher into place. Yeah, like the whole yeah. the whole thing sucked. Like there's a series of little mini things and then as they're escaping, that tank comes and attacks them and yeah. you fight the tank boss, who's pretty hard because like I said, I always send my shittiest characters to the missile base. Yeah. So it's always a really hard boss fight, but you can fuck it up with electric attacks, thankfully. Um, and then then the missile base, they beat it, and then they're like, oh my god, we're not going to get out of here in time. And then like the missile base like self-destructs, because they set it up to self-destruct, don't they? Yeah. They, so, also, yeah. they also do something interesting where they set the error ratio to 100%. Yeah. And it still fires the missiles. Like... 
They don't yeah, find yeah, a way to stop them. It just them. Cr- increases like the radius of, right. of the target and stuff, right? Which which makes it even harder for Valum Garden to escape. But really, yeah, because if it was just here when they go- start moving, yeah, would, they'd be f- yeah, yeah, yeah. But again, it's a plan by a bunch of teenagers, and they don't understand like this yeah. is what's going to happen. And I think it was they a weird. Don't, they also don't know that the Balam Garden's going to be able to fly and like right that too. Yeah. Um, which is almost in the territory of being an asshole. Yeah, but it's also cool because because you learn like there's these lower floors and stuff, and then right this place used to be a military base. Like like Sid kind of like spills the beans on all that finally. Mm-hmm. And then when you get to then, and he doesn't know really what it was, which is kind of weird because he bought the fucking place. Um, but you get down there and there's like all these turbines and everything right. starts moving. And that part was really cool. And then all of a sudden, like that cutscene with the missiles coming and then the garden moving out yeah. of the way. And the that was pretty dope. That, that was awesome. And then doesn't it like kind of crash into the town of Balam? No, it, it, it crashes into the uh, horizon. Well, yes, but it, it crashes into the ocean first. Right, right. Um, so once you're done with the missile base, Squall gets to Balam Garden, and students are fighting each other. Fucking, you know. Oh yeah, the, that's the whole Nord thing. Yeah, the Garden faculty is like, oh, uh, you know, are you with Sid or are you with Garden Master Norg? And at this point, no one knows who the fuck Norg is. Like, yeah. You've never heard of him the entire game, and now all of a sudden there's this this person Divide. that's supposedly like the master of of the garden, Balam Garden, and you're like, what the fuck? And then you find out like Norg funded this. Norg yeah. has funded Seed this whole time, and he's basically this Jab of the Hut fuck who lives underneath Garden, right? And you could tell that he was <laughs> probably a Jab of the Hut reference. Yeah, yeah. Um. His boss fight was like super annoying the first time I played. Right. Because, again, first time I played, I relied on GFs all the time. Mm-hmm. And so his elements are always changing. But when I went back and replayed it, I just used physical attacks all the time. So it was actually really fucking easy. If right. Use physical attacks. Well, and uh, they. Can you draw a GF from him? I can't remember. If there's a GF or not, or maybe this, maybe it's just a really good spell that's good for. I think so. I know you get bio after the fight. Like there's a draw point on his pod. Oh, maybe that's what I'm thinking of. But I don't remember if he has a uh, GF or not. But the funny thing is, is like his whole thing is that he wants to give Sid's head. To the sorceress. To the right? sorceress to to make up for what we did. Right. So that so that he he's in the clear, like Garden's in the clear then. Right, so so he can survive. Yeah. Uh and then there is you know, you fight him. And some of the students you're like against too, because they side with him for like whatever reason. Right. Well, I think it's because they're like Oh, you know, is Sid who he really thought he was? Like, he never said any of this. Yeah, they feel a little betrayed by him. Maybe. Yeah, I would say a little bit, or maybe they were fighting because they they didn't they thought that the sorceress was going to kill them, so they would rather be on the sorceress's side, right? Then, and it's not their fault, right? It's it's the party's fault that there's a 
target that, on their backs. Well, in that divide, yeah. Yeah. Um, so you find out that Garden was funded by Norg. You also find out that it can fly to an extent. Like, it's more of like a hover. It's like a hover. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, it's so satisfying killing those, like, Garden Master guys, though. Like, Oh, yeah. Well, the, getting rid of the I think the most satisfying part was, like, the FMV sequence when Garden just barely gets missed. Yeah, by them. yeah. Like, that sequence is so fucking cool that I just, I, I sometimes have a hard time believing that some of the FMVs back then were real. Yeah, they were so Because they're so, so well high done. quality. Yeah, yeah, You yeah. know? Um, and, uh, this is where we find out that Sid and Idea are married. Yeah. Because Sid never mentions this, of course. No. And this was uh, a thing that Norg let out. Norg's like, you know, damn Sid right. and his, you know, that damn married couple or something like that. And he yeah. says Sid and Idea. And that's like where Squall's like, what the fuck? I think fuck? he even says like Sid and Idea Kramer. Like he even says like their last name I, and stuff. I think he does. I don't remember, yeah. but I think you're right. And it's like. You're like, hold on a minute. This is where they finally start really ramping up that that something is going on that we don't know about. Yeah. You know, this is I think this is the turning point in the game where yes, there have been breadcrumbs, but this is where the first major time where they're like, okay. Sid knows more than he's letting on. Yeah, and then as the player, your first time through, you're like, okay, so is Sid fucking in on this too? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I remember kind of feeling like that the first time I played. Yeah, is Sid evil? And we don't know what Norg has told these students either. Yeah. Like, did he tell them that Sid and Idea were married? Yeah, and, and now thought... And now they think that he's in on it? Yeah. Or like... Is Did he just... set us up? Like, you know what I mean? Like, the, that whole mission that right. we were sent on, was that a setup? Like, who knows? Right. Exactly. So, it's, it, it's such a cool scene, and it does have its payoffs. I, I really enjoy this scene. Um, we crash into the ocean, and we end up crashing into uh, so... the... Do we? I remember there's a part where you go to the town of Balam and Raijin and Fujin, they've like taken over the town basically, and that's later. A hotel that is later. That's later when I'm you're always... able to. Yeah, when you're able to steer Balam Garden, that's when you go back. Because so Gal- after the fisherman, yeah, shortly after fisherman horizon. Because Galbadia Garden is there, and that's why Fujin and Raijin are there. Right. Because they've taken over the town, which is another fucking part I hate. Because it kills the pacing, but isn't there a big fucking uh like like worm boss if you go to where Galbadia Garden was in that crater? If I remember correctly, there's like this big. It's not a boss, but it's a big fucking monster. I don't remember. Um, I know that you get Pandemona. Yeah, from, from drawing it from from Fujin or Fujin. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know about the worm boss. I'd have to look that up. Um, so. Garden breaks down because of lack of maintenance. Uh, oh, and they've never used that technology right. for how long. And right? so it's floating along, and we hit Fisherman's Horizon. But before that, uh, the the White Seed Ship shows up. And they call themselves Adea's Seeds. Right. And that's another clue as to what's going on. 
uh, because we meet alone, and she finally tells us, like, hey, uh... Right, she's in the library or something. Right, she's in the library, and she finally tells us, like, hey, you know, I'm the I'm one trying that's... to make this happen, and I'm sorry right. that I got you involved, basically. She's like, will you please remember me? Is there anything you remember about me? Do you do you know me? My name's alone, like, and Squall just does not know who she is. Like, he has yeah. no idea. Um, and which again kind of hints at that whole that Guardian whole Force thing. thing right? Yep. Um, and so the the white seed. You fucking chip... imagine, like, in real life, like you're talking to like essentially your sibling, and they don't even fucking remember you. Right. That would be. So, like, obviously there's some potency to how how much the GF, like, erases your memories. Well, and there's all, there's also some, some, you realize how much pain Alone really is in. That she was everyone's basically big sister, and none of these people remember her. Yeah. And so she has to live her life knowing that everybody that she loves either thinks she's dead or has no idea who she is, and she remembers yeah. every single thing. Yeah. Um, which is, it, it's honestly, this game is a lot sadder than people remember, and I noticed more sad things this playthrough than I had ever remembered before. So I, I understand where some of this got kind of lost. Um, But the White Seeds show up, they want to take a loan away, um, and he remembers, Squall does remember her because of the dreams but he doesn't remember who she is he just knows the name like oh alone is the girl from windhill who was in my laguna dream yeah yeah yeah. but he doesn't know who she is yeah on a personal level on a personal level right yeah um she she does tell him that she's the one sending them back though she eventually does reveal that and but she won't tell him why. She just says, "Oh, like you I'm trying know. to change the past or something, isn't it?" Well, no, yeah, it is, but she doesn't tell him that. Oh, okay. She she won't tell him why. But Squall lets her go. Uh, this the white seeds take her away, and then this is after this. We this is when we crash into Fisherman's Horizon, and we hear the best one of the best songs in the entire yeah, game. Yeah, it's my second favorite song, the Fisherman Horizon theme. And and I think the reason why that song works so well, and I, I'm going to parrot some things that Mike from Resident Ark said in, in their podcast. It's one of those songs that is kind of like, it's almost depressing. It fits the mood, like it. Th- but it's also equal parts, like uplifting, kinda. uplifting. Yeah. It's like they're waging war against each other. But if you listen to the song, it's very calm. It's very yeah. calming. It's But it's, it, it's but that's kind of suits the te- the the village because they right. they're very welcoming despite the fact that this giant like airship basically smashed into their te- their community and wrecked a bunch of shit. They're they're still a very they want them to leave, but they want to make sure everyone's okay. And right. That- they're hospitable. But they don't they don't like cl- they don't like conflict yeah yeah and i think that song also kind of 
it makes you feel that a little bit. I, I, yeah. I just feel like Umatsu's work is so good at evoking the emotions feel, that the I scene is trying to set up. I always feel very sad when I hear that song. And that's kind of its purpose. Yeah, it's sad, but it's like, it's sad, but calming, if that makes sense. It's, oh, no, I get it. That's that's exactly where I'm coming from on yeah. it. Yeah. But, like, I agree with Mike on that. I think that it, it's it's a very, like, depressing song. But at the same time, it balances it by being an uplifting song at the same time. And they're yeah, on I think, even playing fields. I think uplifting is the wrong thing. It's it's calming. Because it's, yeah. like, it's, like, it's like the calm after the storm. But also yeah. you're dealing with okay. the repercussions of the storm. The storm happened. The damage is done. But for right now, let's catch our breath. The storm is over kind of thing. Right. And I think, too, you know, we talked about certain things breaking the pacing. I think Fisherman's Horizon is the best way this game breaks pacing. Oh, absolutely. And it's so, so, so good. I love this, even though it is a a bit of a slog at times. It's a bit of a slog, and it does go by... Like, it's weird, because it's a bit of a slog, but it also goes by really quick. Yeah, it's, it's which is so weird. weird. I don't know how to even explain that, because it doesn't make sense what no. I just said, but it's that's how it is. It's how but if it, you play it, it makes sense. Like, yeah. I, I know what you're saying, because I just recently played it. Yeah. It's like a blink. It's like a blink of the game, but the, it's also, like, it kind of... It, it's because it slows everything down for a moment. Right. But it, only it's just, a moment. It, yeah, and it's it's also like there's a moral dilemma here too, because yeah, yeah, like the the mayor comes in and he says we are not we're well, not basically right right they're pacifists yeah we're not looking for conflict and we want you to leave because we know you you're going to be in trouble you are trouble. We want you to be safe, but we also don't agree with you and your policies because you invite war, you invite fighting, and we are not about that, and we want you to leave. And the Garden and everyone understands that. Right. They're they're like, yes, we'll do everything we can help to, we can help your town, we'll do whatever we can to to get out of here so nothing, no harm comes to you guys. But then when Galbadia basically, it's not even Galbadia, it's that fucking tank, isn't it? No, it's Gal- Galba- it's Galbadia. They do find them. Oh, yeah, they, okay. they 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 show up. Um, well, and when they do show up, the mayor is like, "I'm going to go reason with them," and he tells like Squall, like, "There is no situation where you cannot talk your way out of." Yeah, and Squall kind of tells him like, "Hey, you know, these guys aren't to be fucked with." <laughs> what do you do when someone you are trying to calm down is beyond that point? Because Galbadia is not going to back down. And they're always and, the aggressor. And Squall knows that. He knows that the mayor is, is, it's a futile effort. But he's like, what do you do when talking will not work? And yeah. the mayor does not want to hear that. And so you kind of have this moral dilemma where, like, these people are helping you out. But you know to protect them, you have to fight. Yeah. It's, and it's the mayor the whole... does not agree with you. So it's like you're... You're breaking their morals, but you have to do that in order to in order to protect them. Right, and the thing is, I, I applaud the mayor in this scene, and I think his writing is some of the best in the game, because he's willing to die for to, peace. To, to see his, his 
town or his city or whatever you want to call them, his mm. community hold on to their values. Yeah. He would rather die than lose what makes the town what the town is. Yeah, yeah. And I think you can applaud him for that in ways, but I think eventually he needs to realize, too, that Squall is right and that Galbadia is not going to to let them live if they do not cooperate. Yeah. And even if they do cooperate, they're going to fuck them over in some way. Right. So it's like, I like Fisherman's Horizon because every single part of it is like yin and yang. Yeah. Right? And yeah. And it's like, yeah, clashing, but also supporting each other kind of thing. Right. It's like, there's a little it's bit like of this. It's like unwanted support, though. Well, it's like, <laughs> you know you know how yin and yang is? Like, it's black with white. White in it. In it. And yeah. white with black in it. And there's a little bit of each in the other. Yeah. And so you have to have that balance. And I think that's what Fisherman's Horizon really signifies, is that balance. You yeah. know... Squall's aggressiveness as to the mayor's non-aggressiveness. Uh, the music is depressing but calming. Yeah. You know, everything that, that Fisherman's Horizon, from the music to the the story to everything, is a balance. Yeah. And so I, I really like the thematic elements in Fisherman's Horizon a lot. Um, the other thing is like, after this, um, this is where the party comes back together and yeah. really, you know, they, like I said earlier, if you have Renoa come back from the missile launch, Squall kind of has a, a little bit of, mo of a moment. Where yeah, he, a, moment of, a moment of weakness, if you call it, right? Right. Like, I to don't, him, to him, he an, would an emotional softness yeah. that he's not accustomed to. And so, I mean, that's kind of why I like this game too, is because the, depending on your choices changes certain things. Now it doesn't change how it all plays out, but it does There's change how you see certain scenes. And I think it's cool that you can kind of evolve squall at your discretion, you know? So, I, I love Fisherman's Horizon. I love when you come back here, uh, especially Irvine during that segment. Um, but yeah, Galbadia comes in. They want to know where Alone is. The mayor doesn't, you know, want to let them be there. Blah blah blah. The party comes back. Um, they go to save him, and then that tank shows up, and they're like, "Oh no!" And then you start fighting the tank, yeah. And then it turns out that the people in the missile base hid in the tank during the explosion in order to uh, survive right. the explosion. And, basically. and Squall actually knocks the tank off the side, and then the party has to like climb up, right, to get back onto the platform. And then he's like, "Oh, hey, you know." Yeah, and then they're all reunited. I thought the uh, that whole like concert part was dumb, though. I, yeah. I did not like that. That was stupid. I I didn't like it the first playthrough. I liked it this time. Because you can have them play Eyes on Me. I've never had them play anything coherent at all. Yeah, like it's they, just a fucking mishmash of shit. <laughs> and, and the date scene changes. 
So we'll talk a bit, little bit about this when we come back to Fisherman's Horizon again. But basically, if you choose certain pieces of music or whatever, everybody gets an everybody gets an instrument, right. and everybody gets a piece, right? Renoa, her interaction with Squall will change. So if you do Eyes on Me, she argues with Squall. Oh, really? Yeah, she chews his ass and is like, why are you like this? Why are you being this way? Why won't you let anybody in? Like, she goes full fucking bore on him and is like, you need to open up. You need to be people's friends. You need to stop this. And he just kind of... He kind of blows her off a little bit, but I think he kind of, I don't think it's explicitly said, but I think he kind of agrees with her. Internally, kind of. Internally, but he doesn't want to show it because he's, he's spent his whole life protecting himself from getting attached. But it's funny because he doesn't know why. Yeah, yeah, he wouldn't. But that, that, like, emotional trauma would be there, right? And it'd be just right. buried. Yeah, it's buried emotional trauma, and he just doesn't know why. Yeah. And so... But he also doesn't question it, because as far as he knows, that's just how he is. That's just who he right. is, right? And that's another contrast with Laguna. You know, Laguna would sacrifice his own well-being, even if it meant himself getting hurt emotionally and physically. For others and squall to this point is not like that yet so uh i i think this is a good place to end it we ended it on a very good discussion on fisherman's horizon uh we're already two hours and 20 minutes into this plus what we recorded earlier so uh i think this is a good place to end it i think we're going to come back uh when squall officially takes over command of, of garden uh, and I think we could probably, we can probably get through the rest of the game in the next episode, but I think we're going to have to make this a three-parter. So, uh, do you have anything to add to anything that we've talked about, uh, up to this point, up to Fisher, the first time we go to Fisherman's Horizon? Really, I don't think, like... I always thought it was, like, weird. Like, what is Fisherman's Horizon? I always thought that was weird. Because it's, like, it looks like a bunch of junk that's just, like, pooled up that they just, like, built homes on. Because it looks like there's, like, a big, like, satellite or, like, a solar panel satellite thing. But then there's, like, also, like, rail, like, a rail railway going through it. And there's, like, all these, like, docks and a crane. Like, it seems like it was almost like an old, like, construction site or something. Like So, I think, if I remember right... The people from Fisherman's Horizon are from Esthar. And they're, oh, they're that would make sense because that, it connects, right? Right, and they're all engineers, and they, and they are self-sufficient. They're engineers. Uh, you know, they're there to... These are probably people that either left Esthar during the Sorceress War or shortly after it ended. Right. Um. And I want to say that, yeah, they're from Esthar, they're engineers, they fit, they, they live here because it's, the railway is shut down. Like, the railway doesn't yeah, work. it doesn't work, no. So, I would say that I think that's what happened, because it's right does next it to Esthar. Does it ever say it, though? I think it does. I want to say they do, 
in a certain scene in the game, but I don't remember where it is or when it is. Because it would make sense. Like, I, I think if they were to leave, it would have been during because the because of their pacifistic nature, right? Like, if, if, if you're going to leave a country that's, like, declaring war on other places, you would be, that would make sense that you're all pacifists, right? Well, like, but at the same time, them. like, would they be allowed to leave or would Adele have, like, forced them to work since they were engineers? Maybe, yeah. Or they saw what they made when they were engineers during the war and then left. But but you wouldn't want to leave after because Laguna would be the president then. You know what I mean? And Laguna's like... like yeah. It'd be like, that'd, that'd be like a good change for Estar. But then again, they might think like, oh, you know, if war ever breaks out again... We don't I, I'm not sure. I, I, I'll have to do some research. Maybe, maybe I'll do some research and we'll, uh, we'll kind of, if, if I find anything on it, I will, uh, bring it up at the beginning of next podcast episode. But anyway, uh, I think we're going to end it there. Thank you guys for watching, uh, or listening on whatever platform of choice you're on, whether it be Spotify, you know, Apple podcasts, SoundCloud, or my YouTube channel. And, uh, you know, the, this was episode two. I'm excited to get this out. I'm excited for episode three to finish off the game. I think we can really pull that off. I don't think we're going to need a fourth episode. No, I don't think so at all. Because, um, like, there's not a lot of, like, big... There's a couple big events, but they're, like... They're, like, shorter big events. Right. You know, leading up. And then the, and then the ending sequence, basically. So, and, and I think the next episode is going to be the big episode two because, like... This is where the plot twist is. This is where the ending is. This the is Galbadia. Where... Uh, my favorite part of the whole game is when Galbadia versus Balam Garden, like right. that whole clash. That is the best part of that whole. There's game. a lot of big moments coming and a lot of payoffs that are going to come from the things that we've talked about already. So, anyway, guys, we'll catch you in the next one. Thank you for listening. We appreciate it. Don't forget to like and share and rate the podcast on all platforms. I am your co-host, Alex, a.k.a. Soldier First Class. I'm uh, Corey, a.k.a. Dookie03. And uh, this has been Episode 9, a.k.a. Episode 2 of the Final Fantasy VIII Podcast, Part 2. And uh, that's it. Have a good one, guys. Yep. Later. (laughs) 